0: The prisoner is dragged from the cart. There's no dignity here, only the necessity on the part of the operators of providing the day's quota for Dr. Guillotine's invention, the national knife. The application of the laws of mechanics to the science of death. The prisoner begins to climb the steps to the scaffold. It's not easy keeping balance with his wrists tied, so he's concentrating on each step. He stops for a moment. His lips move. He's saying something. They all say something. The operators secure the straps. It's quick, efficient. They've been doing it ten hours a day for months. The center point of the angled steel blade is held exactly 89 inches above the prisoner's neck. The blade itself weighs 15 pounds. The mouton, the extra weight on top, adds 66
1: pounds.
0: (coughs) The release handle for the blade is beside the prisoner's head. He can see the executioner's hand as it reaches out. As the blade falls, it will gather momentum and hit the neck with the speed and force of a galloping horse with the edge of a honed razor. And it's done. Another life ends. A whole universe flickers out of existence. In a moment. Well, science tells us two or three seconds. Think of what those two or three seconds must be like.
2: Monsieur, your wine. Good wine
0: from the south. Your health. How do we stay human, warm, loving, caring, believing, in the face of this enormity, these rivers of blood set flowing by men and women who are human, warm, loving, and believing? How do we face a vast indifference of terror that simply refuses to recognize our cries, our protest, our pleas? Where do we go? I've been a reporter all my life. I look, I make notes, I ask, where did it begin? Who's involved? What lives, what emotions and decisions did they have and make? And how did they come to be here now in this time and place? I follow the story where it leads me. And this one leads me to a time... A few years ago now. A time pretty much like our times, as all times are. The best of times. The worst. The wisest and stupidest. The darkest and lightest of times. And as usual, we're all going to heaven. And we're all going to hell. And some are going to Dover. In the mail coach On a night so cold, so misty, so dank that Get on damn your Get on That you might believe the sun will never rise again
3: One more pilingue <laughs> at the top
4: Pools damn you! You
0: know what time you have,
3: Joe?
4: I can't hardly really see, mate Wait Wait I got it I got it, mate how about you give it to me, Joe? Oh,
5: 15 minutes old, oh, 11, mate. God's blood. We're not even up, shoot as hell, yet. Ah. Ah. Well done, my beauties. Now you take a breather,
3: and then we'll fly.
5: You hear that? Say what? Singlaw's coming on a canter. More of a gallop. Canter or gallop. It don't have no business out on a night like this. No honest business. Hold no up, Joe. And, and let him it. have both barrels if he so much as blinks wrong.
4: You
5: <laughs> see anything? Black as the Prince of Hell's waistcoat. Show yourself. Damn your eyes. What's your business? We're armed, so don't try no renegado moves. it's over, coach. Never you mind what I am, Cully. Not one step more or you're a dead man. Do I sound like a dead man? You will in about three seconds. Come forward. Slow. Keep your hands where I can see them. What's your business? A message for a passenger. If you are the Dover coach and you're bound for damnation on a night like this. What passenger? Lorry. Mr. Jarvis. Lorry. That's far enough, Cully. We've we got a lorry in now.
4: Jarvis. Lorry. Answer me straight now.
6: Yes? What? Yes, my name is Jarvis Laurie. Easy, Joe.
5: They might be in it together. Well, he sounds like a gent. Much as I can recall that loading, he, he looks like a gent. You reckon that makes him honest? I ain't got all night. Is that Jerry? Jerry, is that you? Yeah, it's me, Mr. Laurie, now. Why don't you get out of the coach These two bright, sparks don't blow me at all. Then I can deliver the message.
6: It's all right, driver. I know this man.
5: Yeah, but I don't know you. you. You might be Captain Midnight with a pair of barkers under your coat. Do
6: I look like I've got a couple of barkers under it.
5: All right. Go on, Mr. Lorry. Just
6: don't make me nervous. I'd hate to make a mistake, because my mistake is made with legs. This man is a messenger from the bank. Telson's Bank in London. Please put up your gun. Oh, Jerry, what do you have for me?
5: Oh. Wait at Dover for the Mamselle. That's all? That's all. Any reply? Tell them, recall to life. Just that, recall to life. Exactly. Thank you, Jerry. And good night to you. Good night, Miss Lorry. So, do you hear that, John? Recall to life. Well, then, tell me what that means. Well, mate, it means... That he was dead, it, but I, it, I, I know what it means. What I'm asking you, Joe, is what it means. You see? oh, oh. the board.
0: There are many ways you can describe travelling by coach, and they all come down to uncomfortable. But on this night, in this coach, Mr. Jarvis Lorry. extremely uncomfortable because he's sitting opposite a dead man. (laughs) You're there. Am I? You.
6: No. You're not there. And I see nothing. And I say nothing. You cannot be there. (laughs) But there you are. All the same. Dead? Buried.
7: Dead and buried? Buried. Oh,
6: God. Buried alive? For how long?
7: Eighteen years, I think. Years, or longer, or less. I don't know. I believe... Eighteen? It'll do. (laughs) For a ghost. Only the dead have ghosts. That's all you know, my friend. There are ghosts of the living all around you. Bricked up in every wall, buried under every street, strung out on every promise.
6: And you had no hope of being. <laughs>
7: dug out? <sighs> hope, you see, is the torture. While a man hopes, he suffers. I long ago gave up hope. But you're recalled to life. You tell me so? I do. I. I hope you care to live. Hope, again. <laughs> yes. Hope.
6: Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was dreaming. I, <clears throat> I do apologize, yes. please. Mm. Please do, do not disturb yourself. <coughs> Buried <Bear it> alive. <laughs>
7: God help us. Buried alive. Nothing. Nothing. You tell me of hope. Down here we have no hope. Only the endless dark and silence. No. I don't believe that. I can't believe that. It must be possible for us. For us? What? The light. The air. Freedom. Where should I go? Forward. Into the light. Is there light yet in this world? That would be as much an insult as hope. Leave me. I have work to do. Always work. But you don't understand. There is another.
6: A new hope. Recall to life. And light.
0: Recall to life telson's messenger jerry cruncher back in london this smoky old town is his place he don't like the country but he's puzzled this night as he walks these hard streets past these hard-faced houses what's he on
5: about he's a sharp old file that lorry keeps it to himself though don't let nothing go for free in Graithis. Recall to life. Recall to life. It wouldn't do for me. Recall to life. My eye, that'd be something, wouldn't it? That'd set our little business back on its heels. Recall to life. <coughs> Come on. We got work to do, Cully.
0: Mm. And he nods to the shadowy figure who's been waiting for him, and they shoulder their tools and set off to finish their night's business.
5: Step up, matey. Let's get going while it's still fresh. call to life.
8: <laughs> Landlord! Good morning, sir. I hope you had a pleasant journey. It's like a dog kennel in there. Then you'll be glad to be out of it, sir.
6: A room? The Calais boat, when
8: does it leave? If the wind holds and the tide's through, she weighs at three. Then a room, a barber, and breakfast, landlord. As you say. Towser, take the gent's baggage to Concord. Your breakfast first, sir. I'm damn sharp set. Oh, why not? Beefsteak and swede, uh, Dover sole and samphire, and a little innovation of my own—the uh, sea cabbage. Some calls it sea kale, but I calls it the sea cabbage on account of it's a cabbage and it grows by the sea. Uh, more coffee, sir, or would it be the claret?
6: Coffee and hot, landlord. I don't think I'll ever be warm again
8: after that night. I uh, may be, sir, but after this lot, you won't be hungry. A dead man's leg to follow? Indeed, indeed. Now, landlord, attend to this, sir. More coffee
6: for Concord. I want a room made ready for a young lady who may arrive any time today. Room
8: young lady today. Uh,
6: she might ask for Mr. Lorry or maybe just the gentleman from Telson's.
8: Ask Lorry. Uh, Telson's Bank? Yes. Ah. We've got a deal of custom from Telson's to the other side and back. Seesaws ain't anywhere at Telson's.
6: We're a French house as much as an English one. That's true enough.
8: You in the travelling line yourself, sir?
6: Not so much anymore. It's Good Lord. 18 years since <coughs>
8: since I last came from France. Oh, before my time. The George was in other hands, then. I believe it was. Oh, uh, your coffee, sir. I'll oh, pour. <coughs> still, Lord, where'd your good money? Telson's was in business 50 years since? Never mind 18.
6: Bankers never bet, landlord, except on a sure deal. And that's sure enough, though you could say 150 and be closer still. Oh, and money has a
8: way of sticking to those who has it. But then so does... A room, young lady, this morning. Exactly.
0: And I think port with the pudding? A bad night's travelling followed by a good breakfast and a bottle of port will lead to... Honest sleep. Untenanted by ghosts of the living this time. No blind fingers scratching at the earth, just the sleep of money and respectability. A worthy man, this lorry, no doubt. And after sleep, and a bath, a barber, and...
8: Landlord! Ah, sir, there you are.
6: I believe so. Your party, sir? Yes. Has arrived. We'll see the
8: gentleman from Telson's in Amity. In Amity, I should hope, landlord, that... As it were... Concord being your room, so amateur. It is hers. Simple, ain't it? (laughs) Second floor, front above Concord.
6: Should you care for an escort? The boy tells her. Need not concern himself. I shall find my own way. I dare say you will, sir. Uh, Was there anything else? Mademoiselle has taken refreshment? She has, sir. And the uh, dragon. Uh, She's taken the dragon? Is this another room? No, sir. It's more in the way of being a termagant. Uh, Will there be anything else? No. I don't think
8: so. Uh, I shall... um, uh... Fire breathing. Of a prickly nature, very, I'd say. Termigants and dragons. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm.
9: a gentleman from Telson's, the banking house?
6: of course. Forgive me, I was taken aback. It has been... Lord, how long? I am from Telson's, and if you are Miss Lucy Manette, then... My name is Laurie, from Telson's, yes.
9: Please come in. You look... Are you ill? Sir,
6: may I call someone? No no, 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 no. Two stories, four flights, 36 steps. <laughs> I will uh, <clears throat> sit, if I may. <sighs> Banker's habits, forgive me, Miss Manette. I am not as young as I used to be.
9: Would you like <laughs> sherry? Would sherry be... Mr. Lorry, are you all right?
6: My lord, it might almost have been him standing there. Oh, how splendid and how... <laughs> <coughs> but no, no, no. <clears throat> to business, to business. That's what we must keep in mind.
9: By him, I can only assume you mean my father. I do. And by business, I can only <laughs> assume you mean myself. Mr. Lorry?
6: Um, you were sent a letter, Miss Manette?
9: Yes. It was rendered necessary that Miss Manette should travel to Paris in connection with some... Intelligence or discovery, respecting the property of her late father, whom she never had the good fortune to know, and there communicate with a gentleman. So please be so good as to dispatch herself.
6: Myself and the gentleman.
9: I replied to the bank that as I had neither experience of foreign travel nor any handy companion who did, I would take it kindly if the bank... Uh, Telltons? Would provide me with same... I received a reply by a messenger. A gentleman who had been dispatched to Paris would wait at Dover.
6: Indeed. And here I am.
9: And that you would make certain matters clear to me. And that I must prepare myself to find them of a surprising nature. Yes. Mr. Lorry. (sighs) What have you to tell me?
0: And as good Mr. Lorry gathers himself to tell his story, so another story begins in another city. Paris, a street where stands a wine shop, a cart delivering a barrel of the good wine of the south. A wheel comes off. Hold there.
2: wine from the south. You seem unconcerned, Defarge, to see our profits flowing in the gutters.
10: Not mine, Therese, till it's time for an our cellar. This mess is a merchant's doing. Let them pay for it and replace the load. I'll put my money down when it's under our roof and being drunk at our tables.
2: You're beginning to sound like a merchant.
10: I think not. What we do is give the poor and the hungry solace, somewhere they can come and forget for a while.
2: And talk together, and hope. Shh.
10: You know that hope's a capital offence in France today? I know it
2: very well. But do they? Look at them. scrabbling for a taste of sour wine. Are those the tools we'll use to build a new world?
10: They're the powder in the keg, Therese. We're the spark. Let once the spark be applied to the fuse, let it run down into the powder. Let the powder catch, and there will be such an explosion as the world has never seen. (laughs) Oh, i see you there, the tall fellow, the Joker. Hey, you, Gaspar! What
11: do you want, mister? Come here! You can't tell me what to do. Come
10: here, Gaspar. Come on, there's nothing to fear. I ain't frightened of you. I ain't frightened of <laughs> no one. Hear that, Therese? This fine fellow ain't frightened of no one.
2: I heard it. You know why? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
10: oh, let go, let go, let go! Because he's too stupid to be frightened of anyone. Over there on the wall what did you write my friend hey you know what you wrote it was just a joke that's all Ah, that's my ear you want I should have cut it off no 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 please you want they should cut your head off (laughs) if this hurts like Hades think about that my friend because what you wrote aye it's coming it'll flow like wine until dogs lap it up but today, today you don't write it in the streets Today you speak it in private to those you can trust, absolutely. Ah. And then one day when the time is right, we'll write blood across the face of this whole nation.
6: It is difficult to begin, Miss Manette. I am not used to these conversations.
9: Are you quite a stranger to me, sir? Am I not? You knew my father. Did you know me?
6: I am a man of business. I have a business charge to acquit myself of. As I do so, I ask you, please take no more heed of me than if I was a machine talking to you. Yes, that is what I am. And if you care to to start this machine, then I... It will deliver certain facts in the case of a customer of Telson's Bank. Do you choose to start?
9: Go on, then.
6: A French gentleman, a scientist... A man of great accomplishments. I had the honor of knowing him in Beauvais. In
9: Beauvais? Exactly.
6: Our relations were business relations, but confidential. At the time, I had been in our French house for ten years.
9: At what time was this?
6: Twenty years ago. He married an English lady. I was one of the trustees. I do not want you to think it was anything more. No. I am a machine, Miss Manette. A banking machine.
9: But you are telling me my father's story. And it must have been you who brought me to England as an infant.
6: You could not know that. But
9: you could, sir, and for all your machines, you couldn't hide it in your eyes.
6: It was a momentary shock, that is all. I am not involved. I never have been. I turn a huge money mangle, that's all I do. You can have no call on my feelings, Miss Manette, you must know that.
9: In my life, Mr. Lorry, there have been very few people upon whose feelings I could call. Go on.
6: Yes. Um, You are right. This has been the story.
9: Of my father's death.
6: But think if Miss Manette, if perhaps he hadn't died.
9: What are you saying?
6: Nothing. Nothing at all. I'm merely saying if. Perhaps this gentleman scientist had an enemy and this enemy had power in a nation where such power was given not to those who had responsibility but to those whom birth alone had placed in such and such a position. Do you see? Yes. If this scientist, this good man, had been spirited away in such a manner, if... if.
9: What are you saying? Oh,
6: if you could only mention how many shillings make a guinea or the rate of compound interest at present offered on the exchange.
9: Mr. Lorry... For my whole life, I have been told nothing. I have been left to get on as best I can, on my own, not knowing where I came from or where I might be going in this world. Now you seem to say that everything is changing, and then... What, sir? What have you to tell me?
4: Put that young woman down, you desperado! Oh. Frost! move, I say, hey, nasty invigilating your way into a room will have none of that here, or you'll be bung upwards on the floor. Frost, he's a friend. Don't look like a friend. Don't
6: feel uh, like a friend. I assure you, ma'am, I have only the best of intentions towards Miss Manette. Frost, do leave off. The witch making the little bird shout don't
4: look like good intentions to me. This is hunting rabbits with a dead ferret, I say. I'm a
6: banker. I have news for Miss Manette.
9: Which I dearly wish to hear, Frost. please. Do let him get up.
6: If you're sure but
4: any arsey barsy business, any wishing never left down today. Mr. Lorry,
9: this is Miss Pross, my best and only friend. She has looked after me since ever I can remember.
6: The dragon. Come again, Alexander. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> May I proceed?
9: Please do, Pross. Sit down.
6: He has been found. He is alive. Changed, God knows. How changed. In Paris, at the house of an old servant, I am going to identify my uh, client. You are going to... to see your father for the first time in your life, if you will come with me.
4: I... I... Well, you fired the gun there, what an old mister. Lady Bert.
9: are you... It's p- all right, Pros. I... I knew it, but somehow, until the gentleman said it, he is alive.
6: He is alive. And? No more than that. For the rest, we must go to Paris. That is why you were summoned here. Can you do it, Miss Minette? Can you face what must be faced? My little chicken's game for anything you can put up, Jack Sleck.
9: Changed.
6: Eighteen years lost. Then recalled to life. How could he not be?
9: A ghost, Mr. Lorry, a ghost? I'm to see a ghost?
6: I don't know. The packet leaves this afternoon at three.
4: Pross, we must be ready Hold on, to- Missy. My brother was a sailor, drowned off Martinique in 62. I've never trusted the sea since then. Uh,
6: so you will not wish to accompany us, Miss Pross?
4: No wish? You wish. I don't trust neither of you no more than Davy Jones, and I ain't letting either of you out from under my glaziers. And I'd accompany my suite to hell itself and spit in the devil's eye.
6: Ah, oh, there, Miss Manette. I shall meet you at two and arrange for our luggage to be taken
0: aboard. And after that...
9: It's in God's hands, Mr. Lorry.
0: God's hand or man's? Who makes destiny on this cold earth? That I cannot tell, but journeys we all make then, from birth to death, from innocence to experience, from England to France.
4: See, it's different. It's full of Frenchmen. Haven't had a decent beefsteak since we've been here. Miss Pross, we've not been landed above an hour. Look out there, do you see anything you'd actually want to eat? How long, Mr. Lorry?
6: Paris, two, three days at least. Look at them cows. I want
4: to be there.
6: I don't call them cows.
4: Scraggy, more like. And yet I don't. Something which ain't a cow at all. I'm sure
6: it'll be all right, Miss Monette. A
4: large rat, for example. Are you? I'm not sure about anything. I'm sure that this here gallivant ain't gonna do good at all for my digestion. Give me the wumples it will. It has been said,
6: Miss Pross, that travel broadens the
4: mind. The only thing three days on this rattler is gonna broaden ain't gonna be my mind. When I gets off this, I'll be telebreached.
0: Paris. And a street where only days ago, wine ran red over the cobbles.
4: Are you all right, Lucy, my sweet? You looks pale. Maybe a lick of
6: squizzle to bring a blush to them cheeks. No,
9: pros.
6: Business. Just business that we have to do, Miss Manette.
9: But it isn't, is it?
6: Well,
4: we can't stand here all day.
6: Madame. Monsieur. We have come to...
2: For our good wine from the south, please come through.
6: Uh, you don't understand, perhaps, madame. You will
2: take it- your wine in the private room, perhaps, monsieur.
6: Oh, of course, madame. That will be quite satisfactory after our long journey.
9: What's she saying? Shh, boss. She's saying we must be careful. Mm. I think she's the landlord's wife.
6: Careful of her, more like if
4: ever I saw a mischief ready to hang a cloth in the wind, I lay you a judge on the nub. Swell so me, God! What? She's fit to be hanged, or I'll owe you a crown, my sweetness. Look at the face on her—sharp as a cut front razor. That
9: one—they're looking after my father, Bros. I'm sure they're good people. Yeah. Yeah. Madame.
2: So, this is the little one. Oh, you are very beautiful, my child. I can see your father in that face. Hands off, my sweetness, Mrs Crapo. Who is this person with the look of a horse? What is she saying? She's
9: my friend. She doesn't speak French. She cares for me.
2: That is good. You will need someone to care for you. Defarge, this is your Englishman and the old man's child.
10: He's here. Yes. You wish to... We do. You ready for this?
9: No, Monsieur, I am not. How could I be?
10: Uh, of course. It's this way.
9: Prass, will you wait here? Are oh, you certain, must wait? I'm certain of nothing,
4: Pross, except you. Stand fast, that's me. I should have been a sailor, but I was born a soft-hearted
9: woman. You were born a hero. Wish me luck.
10: Come. said, always stairs.
9: is stares.
10: he alone? I should be with him, mademoiselle always? it's what he wishes, when he wishes anything
9: you're scaring me, monsieur
10: this is France, mademoiselle, you do well to be scared but of his own wish it was how he came to me when they said he was free is he changed greatly? you remember me as I was 20 years
6: ago, monsieur yes, you are the same man, but
10: older and I? as I remember you, but better on the stairs then We've been in the world, Monsieur Laurie. He has not. He has been somewhere terrible. and So, yes, he's very changed.
9: The door is locked.
10: It's best that way. For his protection. For his peace of mind, such as it is. Wait.
6: I'll go first.
10: You have visitors. Will you
6: see them?
9: I can't do this. I
6: know you can. God help us. Twenty years and recalled to life come but slow God in heaven
10: I'm gonna let in a little more light shoes show them to the gentleman the young lady
6: oh they are yes they're good a woman's shoe yes perhaps a young lady's shoe it's very small he has a pattern it's what he does he makes shoes
10: as far as he knows i think he's always made shoes but once he was a man of science yeah once upon a time is a fairy tale
9: how did he come to me
10: from what i know He asked them, and they, in their great mercy, allowed him to take up the trade. No doubt it
6: amused them to see a mind such as his reduced to this. Sir, Monsieur, Mr Manette, do you not remember me? Here, let me stand in the light. Do you not? Does my face not mean anything to you? Look at me, man. Nothing, you see. I thought,
10: in my mind, I heard him... The best you can do is take him from this place and hope that reason may return.
9: It must. Surely it must. You can't wipe away a man, can you?
10: What's your name? What's your name?
7: 105 North
10: Tower. That all?
7: 105 North Tower.
9: Can I... Look at him.
10: Come. The light falls on his face.
9: So old.
10: Not so, Mademoiselle. Not fifty yet. Mm. Not by a long way.
9: (gasps) I don't know what to do. What should I do? I don't know him.
0: And then, as if the sun shines into this sunless room, there's something a flicker of brightness in his eyes and he reaches out and touches her hair just two or three seconds the time it takes to die under the blade perhaps or to be recalled to life she cannot know any more than any of us can ever truly know what is in the mind and heart of another hope that is all she has Because hope is all there is in the end. He has a locket of hair.
9: My mother's hair?
6: It's all he has left. Miss Manette, I did not know. I should not have asked you to undergo this trial. It's my fault. I am so sorry.
9: Father? I don't know if you can hear me or if you will ever remember this, but I promise that you will come back to life.
6: What is to be done? He must
10: go. Those who did this still have power. They'll know soon enough. Perhaps they already know that by chance or luck, their victim has slipped away. They do not forgive or forget. They will search for him.
9: Then we must go soon.
10: Your coach? In the service of the bank. Your driver? Works for the bank, has done for years. Then go, now, whilst you still can. Yes, we must. Very well. 105 at attention. Cell search we're transferring you to another cell till we're done follow this gentleman do as you're told make no trouble and no trouble will be made for you go now go monsieur he will follow mademoiselle take his tools I'll bring the bench
6: is he settled
2: he's agitated Uh, we should leave here food and wine Change horses where you must. Do not stop unless you have to.
6: These papers should get you through. If they don't, take this, my friend. Uh, monsieur, I cannot. I have never handled such a thing. I would not know how. Give
4: it here, Jimmy Ram. My brother was a fusilier. I lows
6: out a poppa cat since I was a little and. I thought your brother was a sailor. Other brother. Two to board! Uh,
4: uh,
9: uh, uh, Thank you. Thank you, and
2: God bless you both. Go! Go! God, what's that aristocrat got to do with it?
6: (coughs) Can you see?
4: It's a town, and there are soldiers. What can we do? We
6: go on. If we change direction, they'll know something's wrong.
4: 105
6: North Tower
9: Please try and be quiet If they see
4: you We could ride them down They'd
6: send a man ahead of us if we do We have to trust the papers Defarge gave us
9: If they take him back, it'll kill him
6: They won't must wait Trust Pross Drive up, slow down for the barrier Let me do the talking
7: 105
9: North Tower
6: Try and keep him quiet, Lucy, or we're done 105 North
7: Tower 105
6: North Tower Who goes there? Good day, Captain. Mm-hmm. Telson's Bank.
8: How many mm-hmm. travelling? Mm-hmm. You have your papers? Yeah,
6: of course, here. Yeah.
7: 105 North Tower. What is that? 105 North Tower. Let me
8: see. What is this North Tower?
7: 105 North Tower.
8: Get out of the coach, all of you.
7: What's he saying? We must get out. 105 <laughs> North Tower.
6: Oh, of course, Captain, as you wish. Out with you! Yeah, but please. Stand back and upwind. The old man has cholera and is distracted in his mind.
12: What's he saying? Cholera.
6: I would not want you to catch anything. 105 North Tower. Help him out, would you, Miss Frost? Come along now, my gentleman. <laughs> no,
8: no, no. You must keep him isolated. Go on, go on with you. Hurry, hurry, go.
6: Cabins are booked. We must get him below. This weather will not be good
4: for him. Come along now, old gentleman. Cross will see you sit all comfy.
9: wait. Wait. Look at him.
1: <sighs> <sighs>
4: <sighs> <The>
9: little wind. <sighs> It means something. It's as if he's feeling it. It's the first thing he's looked at since we left Paris. Look at his hands. He's reaching. How can you look
4: at the wind, my sweet? I'm afraid your old gentleman as is as wise as Waltham's calf and that weren't was
9: at all. The clouds Ross. The way they move. Look at his eyes. He's following
6: them. Natural science was always his particular pleasure. Good Lord, of course. He wrote about them, delivered a paper on cloud formations to the Institute in Paris.
9: Go below if you like. I'll stay with him.
4: Our biscuit, uh, our dunnage stowed away. Looks like it's going to be a stormy crossing. You sure you'll be all right? Uh, We're at sea on an English ship. Ain't no one in the whole wide world can harm us now.
6: I wish I had your certainty.
4: Come on, mister. Looking at it won't get it shifted.
6: Good Lord, Miss Pross. You are an exceedingly strong woman. Oh well, my brother was a game chicken. I thought he was a fusilier, or was it a sailor? Other brothers, Tom stood up for thirty-three
4: rounds with Jack Brookes. Of course he died of
9: it. Uh. Okay. Come, we'll go forward. You'll be able to see more clearly from there. Oh. Uh. Here mm. we. C- oh, I'm sorry. No. I didn't know. Please, Mademoiselle,
13: was- don't disturb yourself. I can make room. Ah, <coughs> oh, Sure.
9: Mm. Uh, may I? It's all right. It, it, um, it is my father. He is ill. Well, he has been ill.
13: Oh, I'm so sorry.
9: He's getting better, though. Yes, once we are home.
13: England is your home, themselves?
9: Yes. But your
13: French is perfect. Surely. My
9: father is French. I was... <laughs>
13: <laughs> of course, it's none of my concern. Perhaps, though, I might lend your father my cloak to shield him from the
9: wind. That is kind, monsieur. Not at all. may I know your name Miss Manette?
13: may I beg your understanding I to tell you the truth I've been in France on business of a delicate and difficult nature which might get people into trouble and I would not for the world Miss Manette, wish to cause you any trouble I have been travelling under a name not my own and I shall be going back and forth and you see how it is I hope
9: Uh, Aren't you taking a chance, monsieur, in telling me these things? I might be a spy in the pay of almost anyone, I suppose.
13: No, you couldn't be a spy, and you would never be a danger to anyone with an honest heart.
9: And do you have an honest heart, as well as a generous one?
13: That's not for me to say.
9: What would your friends say?
13: Well, they would say, he is impetuous. acts before thinking deeply, but always from the best motives. He can sometimes harm his own interests in pursuit of what he believes to be justice. He can be a little pompous at times, well, more than a little.
1: <laughs>
13: <laughs> he enjoys making people laugh. Yes, he loves to see a smile come to the face of a young woman who has up until now been so very serious. Forgive me, I, I told you I was impetuous. I did not mean to be forward.
9: And what of your enemies? What would they say?
2: Monsieur, good wine from the salon. I'll need
10: more of the Juran song? Yes, of course. I'll,
2: uh, I, um... What is it, Defarge?
10: <sighs> I was just thinking. Eighteen years alone. That's a long time.
2: No. It is merely eighteen years, and it is gone. We are making a revolution to change a nation and bring down heaven... Such things are not done lightly nor overnight.
10: But it will come.
2: It will come. It will
0: come. As surely and inevitably as the tree which is growing deep in a forest outside Paris will one day be cut and sawed and shaped and banded and bolted with iron, and greased with tallow, and erected on an oak platform with 24, always 24 steps for the business of that revolution, for the work of that deadly national razor, the invention of Dr. Guillotine. It will come.
14: In A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens Jarvis Lorry is played by Jonathan Coy Dr. Manette by Carl Johnson Lucy Manette by Lydia Wilson and Miss Pross by Alison Steadman Charles Darnay is Andrew Scott Jerry, Carl Prekop Defarge, James Laley, and Madame Defarge, Tracy Wiles Charles Dickens is Robert Lindsay Other parts are played by Adam Billington Simon Bubb, Ricky Lawton and Christopher Webster The music is by Leonard Bush The Tale of Two Cities is dramatized by Mike Walker and directed by Jeremy Mortimer and Jessica Dromgoole
0: Dr. Manette has been recalled to life, brought back from France by his daughter Lucy and Mr. Lorry of Tellson's Bank. On the ship home, Lucy meets a young man who will not reveal his name, but even in so short a time engages her affections. Time has passed. They have not met again. The doctor has regained his wits and Jerry Cruncher, long-time employee of Tellson's, starts another day's work. He is, in the morning, a man of... Uncertain temper. Why'd you do that, Pa?
5: Because, Natty Cruncher, you is almost as aggravating as your mother.
12: You was out again last night, wasn't you, Pa?
5: And thin times it was. Nothing to be made
12: of it. Made of what, Pa? Can I come next time? I could help. I'm old enough now, ain't I? Ow! Why'd you do that?
5: Because, Natty Cruncher, life ain't fair. You can help me at Telson's, and that's enough. Only enough
4: for the poor lamb. Poor lamb.
5: You've just served
8: up a whole flock of lamb's kidneys. a devil's as hot as hell. What would a good shepherd think of that, then?
12: <laughs> Ow! Why don't you do that, Pa? To teach you to keep your mouth shut in front of your elders and betters, Natty Cruncher. Hey, it strikes me, Mrs.
5: C, that you is as inconsistent as you is aggravating. Natty, me boots, and be quick about it.
0: Jerry and Son on the way to work, Jerry yawning, son wondering what it is his dad does on those moonless nights. Jerry whistles a jaunty air, son mooches, wondering where dad gets that red rust on his fingers when he's been out on those moonless nights. They enter Telson's front office where Jerry has a perch and son fetches and delivers.
12: Dad, they wants a word. They being who? Our party. Office. Says it's urgent, Like
0: All right. Keep me stool warm, letty. At Telson's, they take in young men and, over the decades, marinate them with money and dust until any shred of youth is tatters. Only then do they have a voice in bank affairs. So... Cruncher, you know the old Bailey? I do. And you know Mr. Lorry? I do. Then you are to proceed to the Bailey. Use this pass to gain entry. Ah, uh, as you say. Let's stand at the back of the court where Mr. Lorry may see you. Uh, see me? You are to be ready to take any message Mr. Lorry should care to send. Understand? I do. Splendid. Uh, Try and
5: forgeries this morning, is it? None of your business, Cruncher. Treason. It's treason today. Mm, That's hanging, drawing and the burning What's that to you? Seems barbaric, somehow, in this modern age, of doing that to a body.
0: Get along with you, man. As you say, sir. Jerry leaves, at his own pace, in his own style, still pondering why they should trouble a body that might, untroubled, turn a decent profit for a fellow in their business.
12: Is it a job, Pa? I'll do it. I can run fast. You knows I can. Ow! Why'd you do that?
0: Treason.
5: Treason, they say.
14: The prosecution may continue. Thank you, Your Honour. Your name, sir?
10: Barsad. John
14: Barsad. Mr Barsad, what is your profession?
10: Import-export. Goods and otherwise, sir.
14: Now... I'm going to ask you to cast your mind back Very well. to a voyage you were making between the port of Calais in France and Dover. Very well. Now, I want you to tell me if there is anyone in this court who was aboard the same ship as you, the, uh, the maid of Kent, making the same voyage. Take your time now. Yes. And will you point out that person to the members of the jury? It's him. The young fellow over there. Over where, Mr. Barsad? In the dock. In the dock, where he stands accused of treason.
10: That's a fellow. Um, and there were some others, too, sitting uh, over there. The fat
14: gent and the old gent and the pretty boy. We'll get to them in a while, Mr. Barsad. But now I'd like you to concentrate on the accused, Charles Darnay. When did you first see him?
10: Uh, at the inn, uh, on the dockside in Calais.
14: He was taking a drink? Ordering a meal, as any traveller might?
10: No, sir. He was in conversation with some fellows. Some fellows? Shady fellows. Shady conversation. And how could you know that, sir? I was close enough to pick out the gist of the conversation. I heard words no decent Englishman should countenance. Words that sounded deeply suspicious to me Republic, independence, constitution.
14: Once at sea, you went below and found yourself
10: outside the young fellow's cabin. It was empty. How did you know? The door was ajar, sir. Tell the jury what you did next. I decided that I would see if my suspicions were correct or not.
14: You decided, as a patriot, to do something you would never normally do. Exactly. And?
10: There were lists. Lists of names, places, dates in France and England, and money, yellow boys, uh, um, guineas.
14: French names? Definitely. And names which could have been those of rebels in North America? Easily. At a time when French agents were known to be at work in the colonies, undermining the proper rule of King and Parliament? Certainly. Thank you, Mr. Bassett. That will be all. You may stand down. Does the defence
10: have any questions of this witness? Not at this time, my lord. The court will recess and resume at two o'clock mr lorry
5: mr lorry jerry they said at the office that, that you I might...
6: might want to send a message indeed i might jerry they'll want to know the verdict when it comes and you are a sight faster on your feet than i am we as an interest very much so we act as bankers for mr darnay yeah we act as bankers
9: mr lorry oh i'm sorry you are engaged
6: not at all miss Manette. this is jerry cruncher from telson's i
9: remember you delivered a letter to me how are you, Mr. Cruncher? Lucy,
6: if you ever need a solid man, then Jerry is that man. <laughs> As you say, Mr. Lovie, on the bank's business,
5: I am implacable. But I tell you what, miss, this here ain't no place for a young lady.
9: I am to be a witness, Mr. Cruncher. God help me. And my poor father, too.
5: Oh, the old gent. Going on well, is he? Well enough, Jerry.
9: But I fear for today. I must go to him. Mr. Cruncher.
5: Oh, I'll tell you what, Mr. Lorry. if that there girl is a friend of the young fella in the dock, then it don't look good for her. You think not, Jerry? Don't you, Mr. Lorry? I'm a banker, Jerry, my concern... The way things is going, with the French wars and the bloody Yankee doodles, they want the culprit, they want the hanging and the drawing and the burning of the guts. Wasteful. And, you ask me, that boy's it. Hold hard, Jerry. Mm -hmm. Hold hard
14: and hope. Mr. Lorry, do you recall the voyage in question? I do. Was the prisoner in the dock present during that voyage? I was not on deck. I was um, ill. I I was below. You are under oath, Mr. Lorry. Did you see Charles Darnay on that boat? Yes. Did he join the ship at the last moment? Yes. Was he carrying a portmanteau? This portmanteau. Identified by a previous witness as containing lists of names and gold. It was
6: dark. I was in a hurry. Mr. Lorry? Yes, he was carrying a similar portmanteau. There can hardly have been two identical
14: portmanteau, I believe. Was it this one, Mr. Lorry? Mm. Yes. Miss Manette, look at the prisoner. Have you seen him before?
9: I have. Where? On board the ship just mentioned.
14: Did you have any conversation with the prisoner during the crossing? I did. Recording.
9: Um, the gentleman... Do
14: you mean the prisoner? Yes, yes, I do. Then call him the prisoner.
9: When he came on board, he was very kind to my father. He offered his cloak. My father was... was ill at the time.
14: Had he come on board alone?
9: Um... I think there were two other gentlemen with him, but they went ashore. I can't be certain. I was caring for my father.
14: You can't be certain, Miss Manette?
9: No, sir. Manette
14: is a French name, I believe.
9: My father is French,
14: Mm. sir. Just so. What was the prisoner's conversation?
9: It was... It was kind and helpful, and I was glad of it. I... I hope I may not do him any ill today in return.
14: It is quite clear where your sympathies lie, Mademoiselle. Uh, Did the prisoner tell you his name?
9: He said that he was engaged in a business that might get people into trouble and, and did not wish to harm anyone.
14: By giving his name, like an honest man. And during this conversation, did the prisoner mention america
9: i believe
14: please be accurate
9: he um tried to explain how the quarrel had started and said that um he thought george washington was
14: so the jury can hear mademoiselle
9: That he might gain as great a name in history as King George.
14: As great a name as King George.
9: I'm sure he did not mean...
14: Thank you, mademoiselle. It is for the jury to decide what he meant. That is all. Mr. Stryver, does the defence wish to examine this witness? I
11: have no questions. Hmm. I would, my lord, however, like to recall an earlier witness. So, Mr. Barsad... Sir. You have identified the prisoner to this court as the man you saw at the port of Calais and on the Dover boat. I did, sir. And I dare say, being in the import-export business, you have a good memory for faces. Second to none. Now, help me here, if you would. Import-export of what? Goods. Goods, you say. And yes... There is no mention of a Barsad or firm so registered in any of the directories that are published by the Board of Trade. The name, uh, a different name, yes. Yes, indeed, sir. You appear to have a number of different names. Clyde, Howard, Bramley, under which you testified in a case concerning treason two years ago. I don't know. I can't say. Could it be, Mr Barsad, that you are, in fact, a spy, oh, oh, an oh, agent oh, provocateur...
14: My lord, away. I must object to the direction of questioning my learned friend is following. It can do no good. There are matters of national interest. I agree, Sir John. The jury will disregard these remarks. Mr. Stryver,
11: please confine yourself to the case at hand. The witness's profession is not in question here. Of course, my lord. I shall not mention Mr. Barsad's profession again. Mr. Barsad, using the skills of observation and recollection gained over many years in the import-export business, uh, will you do me the favor of looking at the gentleman who stands now beside me? Uh, Perhaps if the gentleman might advance into the body of the court, my lord. Uh, This is most
14: irregular. I
11: would say most regular. Mr Carton is my second in this case. It is quite proper that he may stand in this court. My lord? Uh, Very well, Mr Stryver. Mr Barsad. Look at this gentleman. Look at the prisoner in the dock. Can you be certain which man you saw on the Dover boat? They... they look... Pretty much identical. (laughs) Although I suspect Mr Carton had a rather heavier night of it last night than did the prisoner. (laughs) Anything to say, Mr Barsad? Nothing, Mr Barsad? Then you may stand down, Mr Barsad, and return to your labors in the import-export business. No doubt being well-known as a result of this case will help you prosper. ( notorious) Silence! I say silence? Mr. Stryver. (inaudible) Members of the jury, this case depends upon the accuracy of the identification of Charles Darnay as being in a certain place on a certain day. The rest of the evidence, I will prove to your satisfaction, is hearsay and hot air. The only real question is, and remember, a man's life hangs upon it, Is this the man, or is this the man?
0: Hubbub in court, celebration amongst our friends, a message sent.
6: Jerry! Yeah? Acquitted. Off now, back to the bank. Tell them, acquitted. As you say, Mr. Lorry, it confounded me. You remember that
5: message back then? recalled to life mm-hmm. same thing i reckons recalled to life by
6: god so it is and here's a guinea to wet your whistle with your sharp wits now
0: away with you and mr jarvis lorry struggling to keep mine fixed on ledgers and profit and loss
6: here he comes here he comes <laughs> mr darnay sir i give you joy of your acquittal i hardly know what to say
13: beyond giving my everlasting thanks to Mr. Stryver.
11: I have done my best for you, sir, and I believe my best is as good as any man's. Better by God, Mr. Stryver.
0: <laughs> Mr. Stryver, a gent of 30 going on 50, as certain of himself as the Bailey is of itself.
11: Well, you've been here, so you should
6: know. You are a man of business, after all. I am, sir, and as such, I think I may say, today's business is well done. Ah, yes. and, oh, Miss Lucy... How is your father holding up?
9: I think I should take him home, sir. The memory of those days does not help him. But I cannot go without Mr. Danny I hope what I said, what I had to
12: say. Miss I...
13: minette never in the world. Any harm, sir. Never any leave. harm from you.
9: I would not cause, not for the world. Oh,
13: for the world, Miss minette for the world.
9: Then I am so glad that she. No? You're... I
13: am. To see you there, in that place.
15: Miss Minette?
9: No, it is so hot. That is all. I... <laughs>
15: Miss Minette, you are faint. Here, take my arm. A chair for Miss
9: Minette? Sir, I. I... No, it's all
15: right, sir. I will assist Miss Minette. You might say you are already doing so, sir, since after today's little performance we could be the same man. Miss Minette, here is a chair.
6: My name is Carton. Sidney Carton. Good Lord, Miss Luce, I am derelict in my duty. Please. Allow me to escort you to a cab. Your father is waiting.
9: Yes, I must go. Uh, Mr.
13: Darnay. May I come and see you so I may thank you at a better time, in a better place?
6: I wish you would, sir. We must go now. If nothing else, business calls. Goodbye, Miss Minette.
15: Well, friend Darnay, did you expect to be standing here alone and free on this evening? I hardly seem to belong to this world at all yet. You were well on your way to eternity today, that's for certain. Without Striver, you'd have swung and been barbecued for an avid public at Tyburn.
13: You do not need to remind me, sir.
15: Ha. I owe Mr. Striver much. Oh, he's a wily bird, is Stryver. But then you owe the chance of our being so alike... Are we I...
13: alike? Except in looks. And even
15: that, out of a shadowy courtroom. Have you
13: eaten nothing i couldn't
15: then let's say you at the least owe me a dinner and i know of an inn nearby where they have a private room i take it you do not care to be on public exhibition any longer very well let us dine together
13: more pond pudding i have enough thank you do you have some yourself oh i have more than enough For you? A little. I am beginning to feel part of this world again.
15: Is that a satisfaction?
13: Immensely so. Mm.
15: Well, then, perhaps you are right. We are not much alike. I have little regard for this world beyond its wine. My greatest hope is to forget I belong to it. Well, if you are done... I am. Then let me fill your glass so you may give a toast. To what? Why, it's on the tip of your tongue. It ought to be. It must be. Yes, I swear it's there. Very well. Miss Minette. Miss Minette. You don't think her worth a full glass, sir?
13: I... Have drunk enough for today, I think. Then tell me.
15: Yes. Is it worth being tried for your life to have the sympathy and compassion of Miss Manette? <laughs> do you think I particularly like you? I have not asked myself that question. Then do so now. Will
13: you dine with me? You drink with me? Uh, no. I do not think you do. You're not a fool, then? I am, however, tired. Do you think I'm drunk? I think you've been drinking. You know I've been drinking. If you say so, then yes, I know you've been drinking. And you know why I've been drinking? I know. It's none of my concern. If you'll excuse me, I'll leave you. I have to make preparations for a journey. To France again?
15: You're taking a chance? I have no choice. A matter of (laughs) honour. Will you visit her before you go? I'll pay on the way out. Then tell them to send up another bottle of claret.
0: Mr. Sidney Carton, that once promising lawyer, gets to his feet and wanders across to a spotted mirror and peers long and deeply into its grimy silver depths. He regards the accused quizzically. Permission to cross-examine? It is, of course, in this court given.
15: Now, my friend, you appear to have got yourself into a fine mess here. Hm? I will answer any and all charges at the proper time. Would that be sober? Or? In vino veritas, Mr. Carton. A fine motto for a lawyer. And a drunk,
0: Mr. Carton. Meanwhile, we, you and I, take account of the fact that this is a tale of two cities, two countries, two cultures, inextricably twisted and knotted together. So, Paris, where Louis XVI holds his monthly reception. But our business is not with that royal gentleman. History will settle with him in its own good time. We shall go to the magnificent portico where another lord in power, though not so much power, and today feeling somewhat slighted, calls.
3: My carriage, directly, Monsieur le Marquis.
0: For such as the Marquis Saint-Evremonde. Even if he is a little pique today, this world and all that he wishes from it is at his command.
3: Take me
0: home. He wishes to go to his chateau outside Paris. It will be done with all possible speed and as little discomfort as is humanly possible. But first, the flying carriage must pass through the narrow streets of the old city, down a particular narrow street, where a fallen barrel of red wine, the good wine of the south... Flooded the cobbles.
3: What is it? Why have we stopped? No! No, no, no! What is that noise? A child in the way, sir!
0: The gentleman leans from his window and regards the cobbles with disdain, for once again they run with red. So much red from the body of so small a child.
3: Your child? Dead! Died yes, yes, it is sad. Here, take this for the burying. It'll be more than enough. I hope you have other children.
0: The commotion brings forth a local tradesman.
10: Be brave, Gaspar. It's better for the poor Charles to die a quick and painless death rather than live on in this world. You are a philosopher, my friend. What's your name? Default. And your trade?
3: I sell wine. Huh? A good trade? Here, spend this as you wish, my philosopher. Very well, driver, carry on. Come on. A
0: hand closes over the fallen coin. An arm draws back.
3: <coughs> who did that? Who threw that? Damn you, who...
0: Apart from the dead child, the street is now empty except... Yes, from the wine shop. A woman comes pale, her eyes blazing as she fixes her gaze on the gentleman. But he sees nothing. Carry on. All this is beneath him. He hardly cares to notice. Nor would he notice the extra weight the coach is hauling now, as from one hanging beneath in the carriage chains. The people emerge. Water is flung to clean the cobbles, and the body of the child is borne away. But, oddly, the father, the grieving father, is not amongst the bearers. The countryside brings solace to the soul, and by the time his carriage delivers him to the door of his chateau, the Marquis Saint-Evermonde has quite regained his composure.
8: Welcome home, Monsieur Le Marquis. I trust your stay in Paris was satisfactory?
3: Satisfactory, Gabelle. Has my nephew arrived? No, not yet, sir. Very well. When he does, bring him to me. I shall dine in one hour in my chambers. Gabel?
8: I beg your pardon, sir. I was... uh, There's something wrong with the coach chains. They've been interfered with. Uh, See to it. Of course, as always, Monsieur Le Marquis.
0: The park surrounding the chateau is uh, charming. Formerly laid out with walks and lakes, and of little interest to the man who slips over the wall and creeps with the creeping shadows of evening, closer to the ancient stones, pink in the last of the sun, of the fairy tale chateau. A window springs to brightness as lamps are lit within, the master's room, surely. The man, stained with the dust of many miles, settles down to wait, he is not hungry or thirsty, he has but one purpose and so he waits. And as he waits another carriage comes, it makes no difference to him, his course is set.
3: Monsieur Le Marquis, uh, your nephew is here. Mm. Show him in, Gabel. Charles. Sir? You are hungry, no doubt. Sit. Mm. Gabel, you may pour wine for Monsieur Charles. You left Paris? Early. I did not care to stay. You? I came direct. From London. <laughs> You've been a long time coming. On the contrary, I told you, I came direct. Not a long time on the journey, a long time intending it.
13: I was unavoidably detained by various circumstances.
3: Without doubt. <coughs> Gabel, you may leave. We will do for ourselves. Monsieur le Marquis.
13: You know why I've come back. Do I? I'm still pursuing the object which took me away. I will continue to do so until the end. Yes, Charles. Oh, surely not that far. Would you care? For all I know, you may have actively worked against me. Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. I know you would stop me if it came to it.
3: I know you would not care how. My dear boy, you can't pretend that I didn't make all that perfectly clear years ago. I agree. Thank you. I believe it's only your own
13: loss of favor at court that has kept me out of prison in France. Dare one ask you to explain? You no longer have the power to issue a letter of the cachet and have me confined for as long as you desired. Your past behavior has been such that even this government has cast
3: you off. Mm, cast loose, perhaps, never off. We are what we are, the old order. Though, granted, there have been some ill-advised attempts at reform which have resulted, as you say, in my no longer being able to protect the family honor with that oh-so-convenient little document you like the wine? And thank God for it. Yes, good wine. Enough! Enough, Uncle. Ah. You
13: have made our name detested.
3: That is merely the involuntary homage of the low to the high. Driving through the village, looking at the people, at their faces, at what you and yours have made of them. Please. I see slavery. I see fear. I see hate. Then you see the world. Through your eyes, perhaps, not mine. Through intelligent eyes, Charles. Look at this world. The animals, the insects that teem upon it. Do we see great compassion? Do we see love and care? We are not animals, Uncle. We are men, and men have a choice. Do we really, my boy? The strong, the fast, the clever survive, and live off the slow, the stupid, the weak. I'm not saying this is a a good thing or a bad thing. I'm only saying it is the thing. But you must be tired after your journey. Shall we continue this tomorrow? As you wish. (laughs) One more thing. Of course. As long as you require. You see, in this dog-eat-bitch world, it's the civilities that make us human, not our hearts. But do, go on. Go on.
13: We have done wrong and profited by it. That is a fact.
3: There are no moral facts, Charles. Try not to be weak-headed.
13: Our family. My father. Is dead. My mother, too. But it was from her I received this command to make things right. I am bound to a system, part of a family. But I have no control over either system or family.
3: Of course, when your father died, I inherited. And and let me be clear, Charles. I will give you no help in this matter. You cannot have expected that I would end this system that served us well. And I, at least, will defend it to the end. It is the only sensible thing to do. Better be a rational creature and accept your natural destiny. But then I see you are lost to the world of sentiment.
13: This property and France are lost to me. I renounce them. (laughs)
3: Renounce <laughs> oh, France, by all means, but the Chateau d'Evremont is not yours to dispose of, nor will be for many years yet. Whenever it came to me, I would renounce it. What is it but a wilderness of misery and ruin? Oh, Charles, you sound like a schoolboy. <laughs> what do you intend to do with yourself?
13: I shall live in England, make my way there as honestly as I can. Bravo. Is that all? That is more than enough, to live amongst ordinary people, Uncle, as if you knew anything of that.
3: My servants deal with ordinary people, Charles. I am only interested in the extraordinary. But each one of us, in our own way, is extraordinary. Charles, please spare me any more of this sentimental guff. Are you in love? Of course you are. Well, no doubt you'll get over it. Good night. Gabelle, please show Monsieur Charles to his room. Of course, Monsieur Lemarquis. You're wrong about everything, Uncle. Love is the greatest... I shall retire myself, Gabelle. I will not require you any further.
0: A hot, still night. The Marquis walks back and forward a few times in front of the window letting the air wash over him and at last he pauses and says oddly, aloud in that silence
3: I am cool now and may go to bed
0: For three heavy hours the old stone face of the chateau stares blindly into the darkness No moon tonight No sound tonight except
11: used to play with a wooden grenadier I'd carved for him. He marched it up and down. He said it was the bravest of all the brave soldiers in the king's army. He said when he grew up, he wanted to be a brave soldier too. His name was Pierre. My little boy's name was Pierre. Say his name. (laughs) <laughs> Say my son's name.
5: I can assure you that I... Oh.
12: Say his name. I have nothing.
1: Monsieur <coughs> Sean!
8: Monsieur I found him, sir, this morning.
0: Red sun streams in through the half-open window.
8: What happened here? Murder, Monsieur Charles.
0: Blood, it seems, will have blood.
8: The knife. There's a message.
0: A scrap of paper, letters scrawled in the darkness. Drive him fast to his
13: tomb.
3: Oh, God help us. Yes, my friend.
0: God help us all.
11: Mr. Carton, are we ready for work?
0: And in the time it takes an eye to dim unto death, we are in London, at the offices of that lawyer of guile, Mr. Striver.
11: As ready as not, Stryver. Then, my good memory, read these and find me a strategy, if you will.
0: Stryver may well once have had a Christian name, but now owns only to Mr. As it were, waiting for the day he'll be on the bench as Lord Stryver. He's definitely a man on the
15: rise. It's an interesting case, Driver, but I do see a possible way
11: through it. Good man, please prepare me a brief for Wednesday. And just make sure the claret keeps flowing, and you'll have it. You know, Carton, you're actually a better lawyer than I am, and not a better advocate, since you can hardly stay sober for. Well. I'd say you could do so much better for yourself. And
15: say it in perfect safety, since you know very well, Striver, that I
11: don't give a damn for all that stuff. Yeah, I've often wondered, in the years we've known each other, is there anything you do give a damn for? Striver?
15: why this sudden fit of schoolgirl philosophy? Uh, oh, well, well. Well what? <laughs> You're in love. You've smoked it as usual, Sidney. Who is to be the future Lady Stryver? The pretty witness. What?
11: The picturesque doctor's daughter, Miss Lucy (gasps) Monette. Miss Monette? Was she pretty? She was the admiration of the whole court. Really, Stryver,
15: old man, whoever made the Bailey a judge of beauty. Oh,
11: she was gold like the sun. Gold like a golden-haired doll. Nevertheless, I intend to have her. She will make an obedient and beautiful wife. And who could ask for more, eh? But will she have you, Stryver? <laughs> Why would she not, old man? Why ever would she not?
0: Sydney Carton in a hurry? What does this mean? Late for opening time? Whither bound, Sydney? Ah, Telson's bank in the Strand. Excuse me.
5: Oh, what's this, then? Mr. Darnay come home early from France. <laughs> I don't think so. Mr. Darnay being in the way of a gent is somewhat particular about his linen. And you being a person who ain't all that particular about his mouth, my friend. Well, don't take it wrong, mainly. I've seen you in court doing well for our client. By which I mean managing to stay upright long enough to be recognised.
12: <laughs> Who's he, Pa? Friend of yours? Ow! Why'd you do that? Cause
15: nippers is to be seen and not heard. Ah, but to err is human to forgive divine what what i forgive you your rudeness i need to see mr jarvis lorry on important business
5: now well, i don't know as if he wants to see anything i'm a lawyer oh. and
15: i suspect that one day you might need a
5: friend friend in the court now as you say governor natty take the gem through for mr lorry
12: this way sir
5: now oh, there? <laughs> Oi! you there what's this then it's a funeral isn't it? Looks more like a parade to me. That's a bloody spy, innit? Bugger went and topped himself, i say. They do? Yeah, exposed, see? you know, good being a spy when everyone knows you're that son of a bitch Barsad.
14: John Bar
5: said. Uh, I, I don't know his your name. Only knows he topped himself. But they ain't saying it was his own hand, what done it, on account of they owes him that much. Decent burying for his services, bloody Judas. A decent burying, is Aye, oh, that's what they say. Boneyard outside the walls.
6: Well,
5: well. Thank you, matey.
6: Mr. Carton, I cannot imagine what business we might have together. The case is done. I am busy, and I do not believe you have come here to invest your money in Telson's. You business people are the very devil to get on with. I practically had to bind the fellow outside with legal tape before he let me through. Good man, Jerry Cruncher. You believe so? This is not a talking shop, sir. It's a money shop, and time... Is money, yes. I know the saying.
15: You have a concern for the Manette family? I know them. I've seen you with them at the Bailey. Don't prevaricate with me, Mr. Lorry. My time is also valuable. There's a bottle of Pichon 54 with a long cork waiting at the inn. You have an interest in the family? Yes. Do you wish to save them some concern, some worry, perhaps? Yes. You know where they lodge?
6: Yes. Then come with me now. We are still in business hours, sir. Or be damned.
15: Why,
11: Sidney, what do you do here? I happen to meet my friend Laurie. Mm -hmm. Of Telson's Bank, you recall? I do. The memory of that day is pleasant indeed. A
6: prelude, eh, Sidney? Mr. Carton did take the liberty of mentioning your happy hopes Mr. Stryver. as a friend of the family indeed indeed your
11: advice sir might prove invaluable if you care to share it I do sir
6: though I fear I fear in this matter sir great honor though it does you and does Miss Manette sir that you will be too much I'll be hanged if I know what you mean Am I not
11: eligible? Eligible, indeed. Uh, And prosperous and advancing? Indeed, indeed.
6: Then what, what is your meaning? I think I wouldn't, if I was you. Would you not, sir? Because, as I'm certain a gentleman of your perspicacity will see, to venture upon a course without hope of success... You foresee a problem? Impossible embarrassment. You say embarrassment? You mean that Miss Manette might not... Appreciate. Might not indeed. Is she a fool, then? Sir, I will not hear a word said against her. But (laughs) a nod to the wise. As a businessman, if you were contemplating an investment, I would have to say, can't recommend a purchase. I see. If word got out on the circuit of a rejection. Quite. Exactly.
11: Well, it looks like rain I think I shall stroll down to Golden Square to to the coffee house yes sir that's what I shall do Uh, a pleasure to meet you again Mr. Lorry do do give my best wishes to your friends carton yes Uh.
6: you could have been a lawyer Mr. Lorry I have no taste for blood sir but I see in our walk we have ended up at our destination And since we are here, perhaps in some small appreciation, I may invite you in. I'm sure Miss Manette will not mind. She she is never to know. Well, that is understood, but there is no reason why she should not know Mr. Carton as one to whom she has every reason to feel grateful. No, I cannot. I I am... I I am... Getting wet. Be practical, sir. Come into the dry. Besides, Miss Manette will offer us tea, the drink that refreshes but does not inebriate...
9: How do you drink your tea, Mr. Carton?
6: As seldom as possible. Uh, uh, as it comes from the pump, pot, Miss Minette.
9: Mr. Lorry, as usual.
6: If you please, my dear. I met Mr. Carton on my way here. I (laughs) hope you do not object to... Of
9: course not. I felt I had not done my proper duty in thanking you, sir, after the trial. Though I believe you took dinner with Mr. Darnay. I did. I am so glad the two of you are
7: friends.
9: (coughs) Mr. Darnay visited us here, often before he went abroad. He mentioned how very obliged he was to you, and so am I. You will always be welcome in my house, Mr. Carton.
15: Welcome in your... Miss Minette, it, it, it is, um... There is something that... Yes, I... I must say to you now here that I feel that the rain sounds like footsteps
9: yes how clever you are thousands of footsteps a
15: a great crowd
9: coming into our lives thousands of footsteps
14: in a tale of two cities by Charles Dickens Charles Darnay is played by Andrew Scott. The Marquis Saint-Evremont by Clive Merrison. And Lucy Manette by Lydia Wilson. Sydney Carton is Paul Reddy. Jarvis Laurie, Jonathan Coy. Defarge, James Layley, And Barsad, Gerard McDermott. Jerry is played by Carl Prekop. Mrs. Cruncher by Adjua Ando. And Natty by Daniel Cooper. Charles Dickens is Robert Lindsay. Other parts are played by Adam Billington, Simon Bubb, Paul Moriarty, and Christopher Webster. The music is by Leonard Bush. A Tale of Two Cities is dramatized by Mike Walker and directed by Jeremy Mortimer and Jessica Dromgoole.
0: Jerry crunches out under a quarter moon. He carries a crowbar and rope wound around his body. He walks like a man up to no good at all. Natty crunches out. Young Natty, who's been wondering for a while now what Dad does on those nights he ain't home in his bed the graveyard beyond the walls where the spy John Barsad rests in his long home and Natty Cruncher hides in the bushes, watching Dad and the two fellows who joined him at their work.
5: Hold hard. We're there. Give it a scrape. Come on, boys. He don't have me fit for lunch. He ain't hungry. <laughs> Let's have him up.
0: Natty worms forward. Half of him has to see this, and the other half would do anything not to.
5: Why? Ha! What have I got here? Dad!
12: Dad! A rat? Is it a little rat in the bushes? No, Dad, it's me. It's Natty, honest it is.
5: I know who it is, boy. I was a speaking metaphorically. Like you was acting like a rat
12: I just wanted to know, that. that's all. I wanted... I wanted to help you, so I did.
5: Does ya? Well, you on, you know what it helped me right now is that when we take the gent residing in this here coffin out of it, we put you in it and nails down the lid so you keep your mouth shut forever. Open it up, boys!
12: No, Dad, no, please, Dad! I swear, never a word. I just wanted please, Dad, please! I'll never tell. Never, never. But you'll
5: still be fresh in there and a-grinning like the devil himself.
12: I don't want to see Dad. I don't. I don't. All right,
5: hold on, boys. Now, listen to me, Natty Cruncher. Tonight is the night you growed up. You're a man now and has to take this world like a man. You want to help me in the resurrecting business?
12: Yes, Dad. Because there's
5: no backing out once you're in. Unlike the grave, eh, boys? <laughs>
12: I wants to help you, Dad. Honest.
5: Well, honest ain't perhaps a word I'd use, but... straight. Are you straight, Natty Cruncher?
12: I'm straight.
5: Because there's good money to be made. Doctors will pay for fresh. And I like to say there's none fresher than Jerry Crunchers. And so... Is it to be Cruncher and son?
12: It is, that Cruncher and son. Then
5: stand straight and stare deaf in the face, because we're all partners now. All right, boys. Ah! Well, I'll be double damned and dragged to hell. You cunning bastard.
0: As Jerry swears at the untenanted coffin, as Mr. Charles Darnay visits Miss Lucy Manette. A great pleasure to both of them.
13: Miss Manette, I hope I do not intrude. Mr.
9: Darnay, of course you do not.
13: You did say I should call when I pleased, Miss Manette.
9: I am pleased, Mr. Darnay, that you are pleased.
13: (laughs) May I... May I take the great liberty of calling you? I was
9: beginning to think you never
0: would, Charles. Lucy, you are the most. As Mr Sidney Cotton visits his regrets via the bottle, then in that other city of Paris, a recently deceased gent in the import-export business visits a wine shop in pursuit of his business of importing and exporting information.
10: Ah, good day to you, monsieur. Is it a good day? For a glass of cool wine, why not? They tell me you sell a very cool wine, my friend. But I'm no friend of yours, I believe.
0: John Barsad, it seems, is in the freelance business these days, importing and exporting whatever he may find for whatever he may earn. (sighs) That's good wine. Has the sun in it. And I suggest you drink it, pay and go.
10: Listen, Defarge. How do you know my name? It's my business to know names. Just as it's my business to know things that others don't know.
2: And is it your business to take chances with your life?
10: Oh, they come and go lives. Like information. I hear, for instance, that you have an interest in the sad case of one Gaspard, who was lately found and executed for the act of killing the Marquis St. Evremond. You know of this? What do you know? I know the man Gaspard died for his act. I say, you. I say he acted as a father might act when such a crime was committed by such a man as St. Evremont. Words are cheap. Uh, that is true. You are a philosopher. And as such, you will know that truth does not come for pennies. And sentiments like yours are written by children in their school books. Drink your wine. Dr. Manette. The good doctor stayed here after he was released? So? His daughter and a fat businessman came to collect him some years ago. So? So you have not heard of them since, or how they fare in London?
2: Nor do we care to. If you have something to say, say it like an honest man.
10: Even if it were to your advantage to know how it goes over there? How could that be? Place 20 francs between us on this table. I will tell you what I know. If you think it nothing, take your money back. If you think it worth something, then I will pick up that coin and you will have a friend in future. You're a fool if you think I've that much money to waste. Look at this place. I would be a fool if I didn't know that you, Citizen Defarge, and you too, madame, are part of a very secret organisation dedicated to the brotherhood of all men and the overthrow of... You have funds for this sort of...
2: you know what you are feeling on the back of your neck at this moment? Huh? Um, do you think a knitting needle is merely a tool for making scarves and stockings? One push and the point will be deep in your brain. You will be dead before you can blink.
6: And do you think the Everymont
10: family is finished now, eh? (laughs) That you have done your work? Think again. (gasps) There is another. No. A nephew. He lives in England, works as a teacher of languages. He goes under the name of Darnay. Oh... And he is every bit as arrogant and cold and cunning as his uncle. And he is courting, I hear. The lovely daughter of an old friend of yours, Dr. Manette. What? Hardly credible, is it, that even a St. Evremond would have the gall to pay court to the daughter of a man his family imprisoned for 20 years? Darnay. Charles Darnay. It seems their crimes live on. The money is yours. Good
0: day. Revenge. Twenty francs and confirmation that Defarge really is a part of a conspiracy. A good day, indeed, for the import-export business. And his information is not wrong. As time passes, hearts grow fonder. And there is a boating party on the Thames. Never meant
9: to be
5: a sailor.
13: Nonsense! Well, an admiral, perhaps. Just not in a very small boat.
5: Oh, Charles, Charles, the oars!
13: Useful tools, though they be.
5: Are floating
9: away from us.
13: So they are. Goodness me.
9: You do not seem perturbed.
13: I have no doubt our friends will come to our aid. I believe I see Miss Pross leaping onto a boat with Mr. Lorry. Poor soul, even now. And... Meanwhile, Lucy.
9: Yes, Charles.
13: I would like to take this opportunity. These. these few quiet moments.
9: We have had many quiet moments in the last months, Charles, and. I bless the memory of them. They have meant. Um, your. your visits, our time together. Yeah, they have meant a lot
13: to me too, Lucy. Ever since. Uh, Oh, it's a terrible way to begin the thing with ever since. <sighs> ever since that first day I saw you on the ship from France. And then in that dreadful courtroom, seeing you there. Yes, yeah, seeing you there was... was.
9: Yeah. I re- remember how I felt when they were questioning me and that dreadful spy who lied and lied then i remember
13: lucy this is my speech if you don't mind
9: of course not please go on
13: i i you see ever (laughs) since
9: you're not usually tongue-tied charles why i remember when you started visiting after the trial we could hardly stop you talking Poor old Pross would be glaring in through the door, and Father would be yawning away, and you just went on. (laughs) Such wonderful stories, and I was always so... Uh, But, of course, you must say... You see, Lucy,
13: you must know what I am. I mean, where I come from, came from. It isn't easy to... For you, all the times we've spent together, times that, for me, have meant... more than... Other times we have not been together. Oh, that is sad stuff. I want my words to fly like eagles and and straggle like
9: chickens. Our friends would have rescued us soon,
5: Charles.
13: What I'm trying to say, Lucy, I. I. In my way. No, in any way, I have. I
9: have. I I have. Yes, Charles. With all my heart, I will be your wife. That is what you were going to ask, isn't it?
13: Oh, my dear love, I am so happy.
9: I am
1: so
13: happy. <laughs> this is the best day of my <laughs> life.
1: Whoa, L-
13: Laurie, Brass, <laughs> my friends, what oh, wonderful news! Whoa. <laughs>
1: We ought to be married.
6: <laughs> we
4: ought
6: to be married. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> My love! Oh! Oh! Why oh. give you charming charms?
4: Proposing to my ladybird of the river! Why? Oh, it's no better than a sailor's promise! Not to mention that the tent is no better than a sewer! <laughs> Come to think of it, it is a sewer! Bross! <laughs> oh,
13: I am so happy I can kiss you here and now!
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: The news is published, the bands are read, and, of course, noticed by those who have reason to notice. In a shabby room in the temple, a once-promising lawyer peers into the mirror of his glass.
15: My witness, I believe. Splendid. Now, Mr. Carton, I am at your service. Indeed, sir. I believe you are at the service of any man who can provide a bottle There are worse things to work for. And better. Mr. Carton, three months ago, on hearing an article of news, I believe you took steps to ensure that certain events did not as a consequence occur. Am I right? I did my best to ensure Stryver didn't deliver his offer of marriage to Miss Minette, yes. Why? I thought it an unsuitable offer. For him or for her? For her, of course. Thank you. Now, I believe, Mr. Carton, you've gone on record a number of times as maintaining you do not give a damn for anything at all on this earth. Is that so? Answer clearly so the jury can hear. I have. Then why? I beg your pardon? Why did you care what was suitable for Miss Manette? Come, come, sir. The question is clear enough. Surely for a man of your supposed ability. Here we come to it at last. I... Stryver is... We are not talking about Mr. Striver. We are talking about Lucy Manette. I did not... I did not... She is... A golden-haired doll. Did you not call her once? I ask you again. Why do you care? Because she is worth something. Even you must be able to see that. Laurie, the the businessman, cares about profit and loss, ledgers, but she's changed him. Mr. Laurie has a connection with her father, Dr. Manette. You do not. You merely happen to look almost exactly like the man she's going to marry. Stop it. That's enough. This is a court of law. It's no place for stop it. That's enough. Here, sir, our job is to come at the truth. Root it out wherever it hides. Now, you say she changes people. Do you not mean she changed you? Clearly, please.
0: He pauses for a long... Long moment, then. Yes, I do.
15: Do you not mean she made you care about her? Yes, I do. So you have feelings for her? Yes, I do. Would the witness go as far as to admit that he loves her? Yes, I do. And does the witness have any idea how ridiculous a spectacle he is making of himself? Yes, I do. And is he aware? That had he given a damn, had he tried to work to achieve something, anything, in this world, rather than surrender himself to a repulsive course of weak-minded self-pity and drink, that had he made one jot of effort, he might have stood beside Miss Manette as her husband and lover? Do you have anything at all to say, Mr Carton? anything nothing
0: then it is nothing and dawn's the wedding day and all is
4: careful in the kitchen you lovers don't you be denting the dishes or I'll have your gizzards for garters ah
6: good day Miss Pross <sighs> why you're looking quite flustered Miss Pross oh,
4: that ain't the half of it getting married is no joke I can tell you
6: what, you were married yourself,
4: Miss Pross? Wouldn't catch Pross being legs in a bed for no belly ruffian. No, okay. I was
6: Neither talking. Figuratively, of Miss Lucy.
4: Ah, oh, my ladybird.
6: My sweetness. Yeah. <laughs> to think all those years ago when I brought that tiny baby to these shores. Such a baby. Such years. To come to such a day as this. <laughs> Miss Pross, is that a tear I see in your eye? Pross, don't cry. If anyone here has dog soup in the eye, it's you. I, my dear Pross, shed a tear. Why, such a thing from a 30-year man at Telson Bank was never heard of in this world. <laughs> Lend <laughs> us the white, will you silver, needs a polish. Oh,
4: there, there. <laughs> and who would blame you, Cully, considering the gift you gave him? Why, more silver plates and knives and forks than I ever saw in my oh, whole life.
6: a small enough thing. But it does make me think, dear Pross that there might have been a Mrs. Lorry these 40 years, almost. Uh, May I... um... Never in this
4: world. You was born to Bachelors Hall, so you was. Oh, my
9: sweetness!
4: Give me the wipe. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you look a
9: picture! Oh, Pross. Pross. Dear (laughs) Pross. Now, don't you cry, Pros. Pros don't cry. Well, you'll start me.
6: My lord, Lucy Manette, what a day this is! I, I never had a daughter, but if I did,
9: you have better. You have me, and I shall always hold <laughs> oh, the
4: waterfall <laughs> sweetness. You don't want a damp corsage, now, do you?
6: Here, have a blow on this.
9: Uh, yes. Ah, yes, indeed. But some tears are worth shedding.
6: True, my dear. Charles Darnay is a lucky man.
9: Is he still with father? Hmm? They locked themselves away half an hour ago,
6: I hope. Don't you fret. Nothing is going to... What is it? Oh, uh, nothing. Cross, nothing at all. I'm sure it was only a young man talking with his future father-in-law. No more than that. Advice. Encouragement.
0: They stand, the three of them, waiting as Charles Darnay and Dr. Manette come out from their shuttered room. Father! The doctor is pale, pale as a new tombstone, and his face has about as much expression as does the slab. Charles Darnay, too.
4: If he's pulled any Renegado moves, I'll have his pig go out by the roots, so I will.
0: Is still, still as laying water, and as deep. And they all five stand caught in silence, caught out of time and place.
7: My dear child, why so sad? This is the happiest day of our lives, eh, hey,
6: Charles? Sir, it is the very happiest. <laughs> stand to, Jack Adams. Huh? Well, so it is. So it is, Pross. <laughs> a bumper for all. We'll drink a toast and then it's off to the church, my friends. Take your glasses. <laughs> I say, a toast to Mr. and Mrs. Charles Darnay. Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. 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 Charles, Charles Darnay. Darnay.
4: <laughs> and God bless all who sail her.
1: <laughs>
0: who gives this woman? I do. It is a Charles quiet Darnay service. A small group. I do. And after, as they stand in the sunshine waiting for the coach that will bear Mr. and Mrs. Darnay away on their honeymoon, a figure watches from the churchyard. A figure who might almost be standing beside the radiant bride, instead of standing in shadow, watching, watching, feeling. No pain now? No, of course, no pain. For he cares not one damn for anything in this old, cold world of ours.
9: Father, be well. Be safe. I love you.
7: Go, my dears. Go and be happy.
9: God bless you,
7: Ladybird.
13: Goodbye, sir. Goodbye, Laurie. Cross.
4: Take care of the doctor! God bless
6: you. God bless you both. Well, they're fairly away now.
4: Aye. First stop, fumble us all. Here. What about the doctor, then? What are you saying, Pross? You've got ogles in your head. After he came come out of that room, he was looking just about like the bopus he was when he came come out that room in France. And he ain't looking much better
6: now. Aye, I was always concerned at the effect the marriage might have on him, but there's something else here something mr. Charles Crappow
4: said to him in that room something that changed
6: him Manette my friend do you go home with Pross and I will call by later we'll have supper eh two old fellows together (laughs) I must go by the bank first some business
7: yes yes of course my friend why not
4: we'll have supper Yes. Yes. He's got the collie models, Cully. So don't you belong about it, neither.
6: Trust me, I will not. And let us hope. Let us hope. How long?
4: Since we come back. He went up to the attic. I wait down here and... Four hours. Give or take. got to help us. I wish we'd thrown the bloody bench and the tools out too, Cully.
6: Have you been in? Of
4: course I've been in. Does he know you? What he knows right now, apart from bloody shoes, ain't no more than three skips of a louse.
6: Nothing. Are you sure, Pross?
4: You think I'd lie with the lad about that?
6: No, of course not. I'm sorry. Pross, no one must know. Especially not Lucy and Charles.
4: Oh, no, Gooseberry. Not a word I'll say. Keep him close, right?
6: And pray he comes out of it before they come home. You reckon he will? We can only wait. And pray that he does. Mm -hmm. Old friend. Do you know me? Look at me, in the light here.
7: Manette, do you not know me? 105 North Tower. 105 North Tower. 105 North Tower.
4: (sighs) Come along now, you must eat something. Can't be making them shoes without you eat something. It is a young lady's walking shoe. I should have finished it long ago. Then you'll need your soup, won't you? So be a good gentleman and let Spoon it in. Uh, uh,
6: (sighs) It's breakfast time, old friend. uh, Will you join us for breakfast? uh, Dinner, Doctor. Dinner. Luncheon, old friend. A fine sea pie. Ah. Breakfast, Dr. Manette.
4: Coffee, sweet black Mm. coffee.
7: Coffee, Miss Pross? Of course there's coffee for breakfast. Why would you ever need to tell me that?
6: More toast. No,
7: no, thank you, Lorry.
6: Then I wonder if I might... Trouble you? Hmm? Some advice, medical, concerning an old friend. Of course. You see, it is um, mental, yes, of the mind. Be particular, precise. The, these matters. Oh, of course. It is the case of a shock, under which the sufferer was borne down for. Well, I think he cannot say for how long. You see, a shock, from which he recovered by and by. Over some months again, I am not certain how much he is aware. Only that, at a certain point, there he was again, so to speak. His intelligence questing again, as once it did. And the lost time w- was still lost, but you see, not lost. There was, how should one say it, um, a relapse. How long? Nine days and nights. So long? Yes. Uh, and he was... Uh, As he was before.
7: Uh, and is there family, do, do they...
6: know nothing. It has been kept from them.
7: That was very kind.
6: No. <laughs> I'm a man of business. All this stuff of the mind is beyond me. I need guidance. And I can think of no man better qualified to give me that guidance than yourself. How does this relapse come about? Is there danger of it happening again? Can we do anything to prevent that? I think it probable this relapse
7: was not unforeseen by the subject. Was it dreaded by him? Very
6: much so. Was it preventable? If perhaps he could have shared that dread?
7: Uh, I'm afraid I must doubt it. I I think there was an attempt to prepare himself, but... Perhaps that made it all the more likely some revival of things lost, forgotten, old fears and pains, the past rising up. Does he remember anything? Th- Nothing. And the future as to that? We may hope that things being said, things being settled, there may be no more elapses.
6: That is good comfort. Now, there is one more question. Yes, I think
7: I know what that will be. I ask
6: a lot. Will you help me further? I will. You see, my friend had about him um, a bench, say, at which he worked when in that lost time. A bench and tools of a trade. Would it not be better if that were done with? Gone. Burnt and forever lost.
4: Aye. Ah. Oh. 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 there it goes. And may it all be used up down to the squeak, as me brother would say.
6: I thought your brothers
4: were... Other brother. This one's a pork butcher.
6: Did you... His tools?
4: I gave them to a deserving cause, don't you fret on it. It is a good thing, isn't it? Right now he's looking down as a jibcat.
6: I think it's the only thing, Pross. And I hope it may save him.
0: Sparks rise in the gathering gloom of night, bright, dancing, dangerous sparks from the shoemaker's bench. Sparks that carry the imprint of many a shoe made painstakingly upon this wood over many a year. Sparks that carry and fly in the darkness, carry and ignite in other places in times to come. A street, perhaps, in Paris, quiet, empty. Is everyone in the wine shop drinking after a hard day's work, or is something else afoot? footsteps of a man, of a woman, husband and wife, walking with a purpose, walking towards something, walking away from something, years of oppression, of cruelty, of unbearable taxation, years of being under the heel. Now they are walking, two more, and two more, walking towards something, a symbol of all that has weighed down on them these centuries, towards a prison, a great dull stone face closed against the world of light and life, a cold damned world of darkness that has clamped bands of iron round the hopes and dreams of France. But not this night. This night as more and more walk with their torches held high, lights streams out upon this vast organ of undiscriminating pain and punishment. Men, women, children... Dozens, hundreds, now thousands walking, serious intent on serious business, ready to tear the dark secret heart of the old order apart with their own bare hands. Friends!
10: Citizens! Shall we die like sheep bleating for mercy where there is no mercy, only the knife? I tell you, the hour is come. The hour when we shall face those who oppress us. Before us, there is only death or freedom. This is our time, citizens. I say, to arms!
12: Citizens,
10: to arms!
1: (laughs)
0: Such is the colour of hope. Nothing can stand against the storm of history coming down upon this night. And it is done. And what seemed so solid was no more than the parchment upon which a hand might inscribe liberty, equality, brotherhood.
11: You! You work here. You a warder. Yes, uh, uh, 105, uh, North Tower. Uh, I don't understand.
2: Shell number 105 in the North Tower. It is quite clear, is it not?
11: No. Yes, I... Uh, hmm? Uh, y- yes, citizen, yes. Then
2: take us there, citizen.
11: Of, uh, of course, of, of course. Come, come.
10: Oh, I don't know what Should we be wasting our time with this? There are more important things to be done. Here they found the magistrate, Foulon. He told the starving to eat grass. Now he will answer for it. They'll
2: all hang.
10: I want to be there to see his face. Our
2: comrades will do the job. The vengeance. That woman has been waiting as long as we have. As long as France for her time. They will not escape. But this one may if we do not act.
10: This one in particular?
2: Do you have to ask?
10: No, but I'm concerned, Therese. What we're doing is about far more than us. It's about strength,
11: equality and justice. Up here, citizens.
2: And do all of these not begin in the unjust suffering of one? Defarge, if everything we are doing here is not about you and me and our children and brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and friends, then it is about nothing. Look at me. Look into my face. Remember the girl you found. Remember what she had seen and suffered. Remember the old man your friend? Remember what he had seen and suffered? Is that to be given away for a slogan?
11: Citizens, we are almost there. Please. There. There it is. Cell 105 North Tower. It is empty now. Th- th- they are all empty now. I you go first, citizen.
2: This was your kingdom. Show us around why not. Give us the guided tour. Visit Versailles. Visit the Bastille.
11: Madame, Citizen.
2: Is... The, the
10: torch. Pass it along the walls. Yes? Keep going. Keep going. Stop. Hold it there. There's initial scraped into the stone. (laughs) A.M.
2: Alexandra Manette. You see, it is one man, always one man or woman or child at the very point of the dagger. There's more.
10: A poor doctor. Yes, yes, indeed. Now! Is it loose? Yeah, it's just flour and water. (laughs) Ah.
3: Yes?
11: Yes, I have it. Citizens, we must go. Look. Look at the bars. Look at the light. They they are burning the building.
2: We are burning your building.
11: I I only meant... uh, I work here. That is all. For my family.
2: You work here, that is all. Surely that is far from all. You shut the doors, you turn the locks. It would
11: have been another if it had not been I, citizen.
2: Then it would have been another's lot to die, citizen. No.
11: Please, you can't. Citizen... Tell her. It is wrong. I am just a man, like you. And yet you are well-fed and well-dressed. Why, man, you have a shine to you like a porker I led to market. You have children? Three. A, a boy of twelve, two girls of nine. Oh, the pride of my life, citizen. Are
2: they beautiful, your children, citizen?
11: So beautiful.
2: Are they well-fed, your children? Well-dressed? Do they learn their letters and their numbers? Do they go out with Papa and Mama to see the sights? Do they laugh, your children?
11: Oh, if you could see them, citizen! If you could hear them as they play, and oh,
2: God—the sound if... of children laughing—I ah, yes, I have heard of that sound. But as for hearing that sound,
11: without me, they will be lost.
2: Do they love their father? Oh, of course, of course. Then perhaps, just
11: perhaps. <sighs> God bless you, citizen.
2: They will feel for a moment the pain the people have felt forever. You cannot. You are dying, citizen. Nothing can stop the blood now. You see how it catches the torchlight. You will never see your children again in this world. God help me! And there is only one world, citizen, and that world is this. And in this world's tomorrow, I shall be certain to find out where you live. No, no. And pay your little lambs a visit. And believe me. think we're done
0: here. And yet men and women must sleep and eat and go to their homes and sit and talk amongst themselves. Poor suppers, perhaps, and poor homes. Yet hope and human fellowship has struck sparks from each. For something is growing here. A tree that grew deep in a wood, cut down, saw. Smoothed with ads and plane, Measured with skill. Fixed with bolts and pins. Built up. Joined with iron and steel and rope until.
3: Give
16: her a try. Let her go. Let her go.
14: That's it then. She goes. Our lady guillotine.
0: And in the wine shop. It has come at last.
2: Almost. It is almost here.
0: In London, life goes on sweetly for the newly married couple. It is almost as if nothing could disturb the balance of their days. Except perhaps the footsteps of the future. The other lives that will. Will they, nil they rush down upon their tranquil times.
9: Sweetness?
4: There's a fella downstairs wants to see you.
9: Someone we know, Pross?
4: In a manner of speaking. The Luppy from the Bailey. Pross? Fella was half-seas over, that fella. The Ensign Bearer.
9: Oh, Mr Carton. I wish you'd say what you mean at once, Pross. Is he...
4: Looks straight as a butterbag to me. Least I couldn't smell nothing.
9: Then please send him up. All right, you can come in. He was outside the door. Mr. Carton, do come in. I, um,
15: uh... Please, Mrs. Dardy, I am indeed as sober as a Dutchman. You have no need to worry.
9: Sir, I can assure you, I never... Please, do sit down. Pross, um, may we have tea?
4: Hmm.
9: Pross, please go down to the kitchen and make tea for us.
4: Very well.
9: I seem to recall you are fond of tea, Mr. Carton.
4: Yes, Tea
15: indeed Mrs. darnay i I was at your wedding. Ah. no, 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 you did not see me. I thought it best, well, but I wanted to come and give you joy of the occasion, yes, you and your husband to wish you joy and all happiness.
9: That is very kind of you, sir. I owe you twice now. Twice? Yeah, for saving dear Charles and for your very good wishes.
15: Well, the saving was the chance of nature and the wishes. Why, words are as cheap as good intentions, so you see you owe me nothing at all.
9: Mr. Carton, may I take the liberty?
15: Please, Mrs. Darnay.
9: You do not seem to consider yourself as of any account in this world. That is, of course, you're right, I do owe you something, and I would ask you not to hold my opinion as of no matter. Oh,
15: forgive me it was... It, it has become something of a habit with me this uh, oh, it's <sighs> of no account uh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry
9: don't apologize, Mr. Carton. I am glad to see you here. I am happy to serve you tea happier I think than you are to drink it if we are being honest with each other.
3: May- if we are.
9: And I see no reason why we should not be. Honest? Friends. Hmm? We have only a small circle, Charles and I, and I believe Mr. Lorry holds you in some esteem. He has said so more than once in this room.
15: You do me altogether too much honour, Mister Lorry. Well, there you
9: are again.
15: (laughs) (laughs) Then I might perhaps visit you sometimes. It would make me very happy to be of any service to you. At any time. Yes, if... Well, you could feel you might call on me. Yes. That would... If it is not too absurd.
9: Of course it is not.
15: (laughs) Then I shall detain you no longer, Mrs. Darnay. You have made me feel that perhaps I may, one day, be of some account, or at least some use in this world after all. But now...
4: Tea is served.
15: I really must...
4: I didn't go to the trouble of making this dish of tea for Greenbug to lay his legs round his neck and up. You
9: see? Now you are truly a friend of the house, Mr Carton. Pross likes you. Does she? Do I, sweetness? So you simply must have a cup of tea.
15: Mrs Darnay. it will be a great pleasure.
13: Lucy! Lucy, my love. I have received... Oh, I... I did not know you had
15: a guest.
9: Charles, you remember Mr Carton? Yes,
15: hello, Carton. Mr. Darnay, I came to offer you joy of your wedding.
13: Thank you, sir, but if you will excuse me, important family matters
15: intervene. Of course, I will not intrude. Mrs. Darnay.
4: What about my tea? It ain't dog's water, you know. There's expensive leaves. it. I'll see him out. Come on, come on.
9: What is it, Charles? From
13: France. A letter my uncle's old steward. He... He was left in charge of the estate.
9: But you refused to take any part of your inheritance.
13: I did, but Gabelle is in trouble with the Revolutionary Court.
9: But it is France. He
13: begs for my help, Lucy. I cannot refuse. But
9: what can you do, my
13: lord? I can go to him. I must go to him.
9: Oh. <sighs>
14: In A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, Lucy is played by Lydia Wilson, Carton by Paul Reddy, Charles Darnay by Andrew Scott, Miss Pross by Alison Steadman, Dr. Manette by Carl Johnson, and Jarvis Laurie by Jonathan Coy. Defarge is James Laley, Madame Defarge, Tracy Wiles, Jerry, Carl Prekop, Natty, Daniel Cooper, and Barsad, Gerard McDermott. Charles Dickens is Robert Lindsay, and other parts are played by Adam Billington and Simon Bubb. The music is by Leonard Bush. The Tale of Two Cities is dramatized by Mike Walker and directed by Jeremy Mortimer and Jessica Dromgoole.
0: Two Cities. In France, the revolution has torn down the old order. In London, Lucy Manette and Charles Darnay are six months married. Sidney Carton has taken to visiting Lucy Darnay, the woman he might have dared to love if he'd been a better man. Dr. Manette is fully recovered in his mind, and Mr. Laurie, as usual, spends his days at Telson's Bank. That citadel of finance, not to be shifted by anything short of Armageddon. Certainly not by time, nor events in this city of London, or in that other city.
6: Paris. You've heard then, Charles. You've heard too, Mr. Lorry. How's this? Well, how could it not be, since I am intimately concerned in the matter? You? my I man, of course, me. But I... You. Me. Why? Why what? <laughs> Charles... You are as a son to me, but I swear, if you do not make yourself clear, why are you going to Paris? Why are you going to Paris? You are going to Paris. I am to handle the bank's affairs in that benighted city, obviously. But you are not a banker, Charles. I go in answer to a plea. Hmm? But I am concerned, sir, should you be going at all at such a time? Where the bank sends me. But were you the youngest man at the bank, I would still advise you strongly against such an adventure. Charles... Telson's employees do not have adventures. Adventures are frowned upon at Telson's. Besides, they have far more to concern themselves with over there than old English gentlemen, young French aristocrats, for one. What is this plea?
13: My uncle's old steward, Gabel. He has been put in prison in that city. He got a letter out. Certain mutual
6: acquaintances made sure I received it. You renounced everything, all of it, Charles. The estate, the name. And yet... You have a wife, man. You're hardly six months married. I've
13: talked with Lucy. Yes, Lucy. None of us is new-minted every day. We all of us carry the past, and the responsibility of the past is our burden. Oh. The first time I talked to Lucy, I told her I could be a little pompous. I haven't really changed. But...
6: Oh, you know what I mean, Mr. Lorry. Please say you do. These last years, Dr. Manette, dear Lucy, and you too, Charles, even Miss Pross, God bless her, had brought me something I never thought I would have. <sighs> Damn it, to perdition. I do know what you mean. And I say, if you must go... And I must. Then let us go together. At least there may be some protection for you with a British citizen by your side. I can't ask you to take such a chance. But perhaps your English is not as perfect as you thought. You aren't asking me. I'm telling you. He is to go.
9: We have a date for the trial, and he is set upon it, Mr. Carton. A matter of honour, he says, and. Who are we to say different? I see you are beginning to find tea a comfort and pleasure.
15: <coughs> Mrs. Darnay, <clears throat> I find my visits to your sitting room a comfort and pleasure whenever you are kind enough to invite me, but tea, if we are, to be honest... It is a
9: good drink, though.
15: I think you mean it is not an alcoholic drink.
9: Well, is that so important? No, I, I shouldn't ask. It's none of my business.
15: Then may I ask something which is none of my business either?
9: I think you would have been a good lawyer if you had ever chosen to follow your profession.
15: Why do you invite me? Do you think I'm reformable? (laughs) I've met women who did, and I must tell you they were wrong. And if you believe that... I do not
9: want to reform you, Mr. Carton.
15: Do you want to see if I'll ever manage to drink a whole cup without spilling some on my shirt? (laughs) My hand shakes too much. It'll never happen.
9: Then you make me laugh, Mr. Carton or if you do not you make me smile and that can't be a bad thing in this world
15: i suppose not
9: you also make me sad mr carton and angry at the waste of someone Uh, charles
15: lucy my
13: sweet woman ah carton here you are indulging your passion for tea a great english invention it. i hear you are to travel to france my wife mentioned that to you
9: i mentioned my concerns dear
13: and I have good news. You're not going? I am going in the company of our friend, Laurie, as solid a man as anyone could wish. He assures me I shall be safe behind the walls of Telson's.
9: As safe as anyone, but the news... The news from Paris makes me wonder if anyone at all is safe.
15: I am intruding. I will say goodbye. Mr. Darnay, I wonder if you would see me to the door. If you wish. Excuse me, Lucy. Mrs. Darnay, your servant, ma'am. Dane, you may remember a certain occasion a year ago when
13: I was drunk in your company. Yes, I do recall that day. And I'm aware that I owe you a debt for what went before. If not for... The fact I couldn't hold my drink. I have no doubt you can hold your drink, Carden. After all, you've had enough practice. And I've no doubt that drunk or sober, you say exactly what you intend to say. You do not like me, I see. I'm not so clever as you, but I'm not a fool, and I see what I see.
15: You can't believe. I believe you are an honorable man in these matters. Then believe this, Darnay. If I can be of any use to Mrs. Darnay, or yourself, call on me. Well, I can't imagine... You are going into the arena, and it is full of wild animals. You don't negotiate with lions. Well, if the need should arise, I'm not your Mr. Lorry, but... Goodbye, Darnay.
13: I'm sorry, my love, but somehow I can't quite like your Mr. Carton.
9: He is not mine, Charles. And neither
13: is my business any of his.
9: What do you mean? I think
13: perhaps you are too free with private matters.
9: My concern and care for you is nothing to be ashamed of, Charles.
13: Well, even so, I wonder perhaps if you are too kind to him.
9: I think he is a good man. No, he was a good man once, and he makes me laugh.
13: And I do not. I only mean that this information, this journey... You mean you don't trust me? I mean, I mean, my sweet Lucy. I would do anything to get out of this journey. Except, you see, Gabel, our old steward, was kind to me after my mother died. The only one in that place who was. And for that, oh, I don't want to leave you. And yet I must, and it is tearing me apart and that is why i am acting like a fool and a bear i love
9: you for it charles nothing could ever stop me loving you and if you must you must are you sure you meant bear
6: (laughs) (laughs) very little to be said for the sea in my opinion it's taking me home
13: And yet, it's taking me from home. Can you see the harbour? Does it look any different?
8: Your
6: eyes are better than mine. Too long in the counting
13: house. Different flags flying. It's hard to know. We'll know soon enough. Everything the same, but...
6: Not the same at all. We should, I think, proceed with caution. A banker's caution. For you,
5: stop there. Do you have papers?
6: Yes, of course. We have just landed. Go. <coughs> Laurie, you are English? I am English, and I am on business for Telson's Bank in Paris. There will be a coach waiting for us.
7: Very well... And you
13: are not English. I live in England. That's not what I asked. Yes, I am French. I have come in regard to this man to a letter, a plea for help. I have renounced my title and my property. I support the ideals of people, the citizens of France.
5: But you are still an emigrant? I have come back.
7: You have come back. Very well, I shall mark your papers, you may proceed. Let let them through, let them pass.
0: They ride on, through a countryside which is the same, and yet not. As if one picture has been laid upon its duplicate, just a touch out of alignment. So every skyline, every town gate, every man, woman and child they pass is somehow subtly different too. Is there a feeling of something recalled to life after centuries of confinement and repression? I've made this journey twenty times in my
6: life, but I thought that when I came to fetch my old friend, to recall him to life, it would be the last. I fear that I'm a danger to you, Mr. Lorry. Hmm. It's my papers that interest them and hold us up. Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll reach Paris sooner or later, and I'll walk into Telson's office and find the currency will be higher or lower against the pound. That is all.
13: I think it may be easier for you to walk out of Telson's office than it will be for me to walk out of Paris without proving. What was that song the child was singing at the
6: harbour? Song? I don't recall, any. (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't recall Some child's ditty Nothing much Nothing much Driver, can you take the cases inside? You'll stay here tonight, Charles well, if you don't mind. Not at all. I imagine you'll try and see your friend tomorrow.
13: Oh, I hope so. He's being held in La Force.
6: Damned gloomy place. <coughs> oh. Musty. Damp. Hasn't been opened since the first days of the revolution. Our clerks are waiting at home for my word. We'll have things up and going in no time. You know. This is my old kingdom. Before? Before. I suggest we see if any of the rooms on the top floor are habitable, then go and get ourselves a good supper. Tomorrow we start work. What is that damn noise? Graceful nerve. Can you see? Mr. Laurie? It's a grindstone. Big one. Two men turning it and. they're sharpening swords. Knives. Who? Half the district are lining up. Butchers, knives, rapiers, sides, bell hooks, sabers, kitchen knives. Men and women, children too. Listen. This one?
3: This one? Listen.
6: Infernal scraping like the devil. No, no, coming. that tune. God in heaven, Charles. What has this place become?
13: excuse me citizen 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 if it is possible I wish to visit a prisoner being held here
15: by name of
13: Jean-Claude Gabel
5: there are many prisoners here citizen what is your business with him
13: he wrote to me I have come from England he has been falsely imprisoned I hope to discuss his case and present a petition to the magistrates. Your name? Darnais. Charles Darnais.
15: I intended... Wait. Yes. Gabel, Jean-Claude.
5: Do you have any notes on why...? Do I look like I have time for notes? But wait here citizen. I will find a warder to escort you to your Gabelle. The prison is full, citizen.
13: Full enough. Can all these people be guilty of crimes? It's not for us to say, citizen. I suppose not. Come far? Far enough.
10: But then we've all come a long way these last few years. You could say so. Here we are. If you'd like to go in, the interview can begin.
13: What? What is this? Sit, please. The chair, there. Where is Monsieur Gabel? I was supposed to Gebel see... Gabel is dead.
10: What do you say? We shall now begin the interview. You don't understand. I understand that you have entered the Republic under an assumed name. Please sit down. <laughs> I can call for help. It would be neither dignified nor comfortable for you if I were to do so.
13: There must be some
10: mistake. I've heard that once these last months. I've heard it a thousand times. Sit down.
13: There was a letter. I have it here. And now you are here. Who sent the letter? Was it it a trap? Look, send word to Telson's bank. The manager there can vouch for me. I travelled with... Ha!
10: Answer the questions. Do not volunteer information. Do you understand? Do you understand? Yes. Are you travelling with papers which give you your name as Charles Darnay?
13: Yes, but you see. Ah!
10: <coughs> What's your age?
13: Thirty-two.
10: Married? Yes. Where married? In England. Wife's name?
13: Lucie Darnay. Wife's
10: maiden name? Why on? Lucie Manette. Her father's name? Manette. Also. Your father's name.
13: You know my father's Your name? Your
10: father's name.
13: Étienne Louis-France Marquis Saint-Evremonde. Your uncle's name. donation Alphonse François Marquis Saint-Evremonde. Your name. Charles-Étienne France Marquis Saint-Evremonde.
10: Charles-Étienne France Marquis Saint-Evremonde. You're consigned to the prison of La Force until such time as you are summoned before the Committee of Public Safety to answer for the crimes of your class. That is
13: insane. I rejected my class. There can be no law that says I must suffer because of what I am.
10: There is one now. Questioning's over. (laughs) Have I no rights? Emigrants have no rights. So, you married Dr. Manette's daughter. What, do you know the doctor? I know him well. My name is Defarge.
13: Lucy came to your shop to fetch her father.
10: You were a friend. You have no friends here, Evremonde.
13: I came with Mr. Jarvis Lorry. You must remember him. Of course. But he has come to Paris. He is the new manager at Telson's, for pity's sake. At least tell him I am here. Can you do that?
10: I will do nothing for you. My duty is to the Republic and the people. You were a fool to come.
13: I came to help the man Gabelle. That is the truth.
10: Then it will be a hard truth that leads you to Madame Guillotine. Will I be held alone? In solitary confinement,
0: Evremonde. He thinks, this prisoner of La Force, that he is as one dead. And he stands. Motionless for an hour, two hours. Then, as if coming to himself, he walks. Five paces, turn. Four and a half paces, turn. Five paces, turn. Four and a half paces, turn. He made shoes. Five paces, turn. He made shoes. Four and a half paces, Turn, five paces, turn, four and a half paces, turn, and in another city, another dawn.
4: Hold up, Angelo's.
5: What's your business? Not with you. Home, brush. I've business with your mistress.
4: Come the see with me and you'll be two stones larger, Mr Dog Booby. And you can pack away the beer garden jaw. We don't want no flash canting in this house. Name?
5: Jerry Cruncher. You can call me Jerry. What do I call you? Pross. Ain't you got a Christian name? No, on second thoughts, it is unlikely.
4: Looks to me like first thoughts would be enough, bother for your noggin. What's your business?
5: Telson's business. Telson's? Bad business, Missy. I got a letter.
4: I ain't Missy. Bad.
5: A letter. Incontrovertibly bad. You better stay close, Pros, because that mortar yours is going to need you.
4: It's bloody France in it. Bloody Jean Crapaud again. You better come up, Jerry. God help us. Someone for you, sweetness.
0: For a moment, it seems as if every mote of dust in the hallway freezes, hangs in the warm afternoon air, waiting, waiting.
1: Charles! My Charles!
15: Thank you, my friend. Here, for your trouble. And send round to Bellamy's for a pie, will you?
5: I know you, I think. You do, Mr. Carton. Drink now, I've got one. Do you mind if I sit? It's Telson's man, yes? My own man, but I works for the bank. I'm a messenger
15: you have a
9: message Mr. Carton you were kind enough a few days ago to offer your assistance should the occasion ever arise When of
15: course you must know it
9: as you know my husband recently went to France yes he has been arrested there a message has come from our friend Mr. Lorry he he do you see I must go to him
15: Is this wise? I have
7: told my daughter this a dozen times, sir, but she heeds me not. And I tell you, she will not listen to you either, Dr. Manette. The one drop of comfort I draw from all this is that since she insists on going, she can hardly deny me that right either. But,
9: Father, you have suffered at their hands. No,
7: my dear. I have suffered at the same hands as they
9: have.
15: If you want my advice, as a lawyer, I would
9: say... Mr. Carton, we want your help... And companionship as a friend. What? Jerry Cruncher is coming with us at Mr. Lorry's order. Miss Pross would not be left behind.
7: And if I know the French legal mind, and I do know the French legal mind,
15: we are going to need a brain that can help fathom those depths. I know English law, some continental from my training, but...
7: Revolutionary law, may be de novo, but it is still law. <laughs> Will you help us?
4: Don't like France. Never like France. You've only ever been here once, Prost. And did I like it? No, you didn't. There you are, then.
7: I think she has you there, Lucy.
4: Are we slowing down? Bloody French nags. No puffing
9: them. I think it's another checkpoint.
4: Hate they got nothing better to do than bother honest
5: travellers. Here we go again. Bayonets and bonnets. Time to do your stuff, Doctor.
9: Do you think Jerry and Mr. Carson are all right travelling on top?
5: Don't know about Jerry, but it suits Mr.
4: Bang in the eye.
5: Jerry? Uh, I prefer to keep my head clear when I'm like to lose it any bloody moment. men of the Revolution, present your papers.
7: Yes, citizen. A- Here, take
5: them. Manette. I know the name. From the Bastille. Are you escape. <sighs> I was there for 20 years, citizen. But now I am free. Now we're all free. Uh, Citizen, is there anything we can do to aid your journey? Uh, An escort? Food? Wine? A bottle
15: up here, please, citizen.
10: It is your friend? My friend. A bottle for the citizen on top. Go in peace. I don't know how you do do. (laughs) it.
15: It's long
10: practice, Jerry.
6: lorry you should not have come lucy enough
4: of that jack adams we're here
5: now jerry is the door secure tight as a lawyer's fist mr lorry but they didn't like it the frenchies out there not when we arrived blood in their eyes there was steady jerry
6: don't you be scaring my ladybird half this building is a sort of national armory now from dawn till dusk they're at it sharpening sharpening what is your news old friend no news same news day after day
9: no word from charles
6: they keep him secure alone I've tried, Lord, how I've tried, but I cannot force a chink in their wall. And yet we must... Well,
9: surely if I go to them, they will let me see him. They
6: have not been bred to mercy
15: and compassion, Lucy. Poverty and suffering do not, on the whole, breed nobility. Laurie, do
6: you happen to have anything to drink about the place? I think better with a glass in my hand. Telson's has a famous cellar, but will Brandy do for now? Famously, thank you. There is not, I take it, quite anarchy in the streets? No, order of a sort the committee of public safety half a dozen citizens militias various parties in contention the girondins the jacobins Mm. it's hard to tell and then there's the crowd not anarchy but sometimes close to it they'll hang a dog if they think it's a king's dog and next minute free a princess because they admire her golden hair We must find a
4: way into the prison. That's easy enough. Just go out there and shout, Long live the King! You'll
5: find a way in. And a way out. Hold your horses. They've stopped grinding. Gone home, have they?
7: No. They're out there, just standing, looking
6: at the building. Do you have any arms, Laurie? A few muskets, but no. Nothing. We must go. Lucy, Miss Pross, Doctor, take them out through the rear and we shall try and stop the crowd. Unlock the door, Mr. Cruncher. Minette, what are you doing, man? He's gone mad again. You can't go out there, sir. You're wrong. I'm the only one who can. You can't milk that pigeon. Ain't to be done. Of course. The Bastille Prisoner. Do you see, Laurie? My God, Monette, you might do it. Father, what are you saying? Speak to them. Ask them to
15: escort you to La Force. Find out the charges. Anything you can discover, Doctor, may be a help. I can do it. I will do it.
9: Then I will come with you, Father. Over my dead body,
7: sweetness! It must be me. Everything I suffered then will be to my
4: credit now. Well, what if they don't know you? What if this is another lot? A stupid lot? I mean, they don't look like scholars. Uh, Mr. Laurie, unlock the door, Jerry.
0: Rather you than me, Pilgrim Father Night and Darkness, but no sleep for any of them over here
15: Jerry said you were on the roof as good a place as any to enjoy the night is there any news? nothing
6: drink? not for me, I have to work in the morning the office is busy (laughs) money is never overthrown in this world
15: do you believe there is another? oddly yes I have no evidence as to its nature, but if it's anything like this one, it's no great shakes.
6: And perhaps it's a warning to make the best of what we have.
7: (sighs) Now. Now.
6: Listen. What am I hearing? It's what you're not hearing. The church bells of Paris striking their hours. They've all been silenced by the voice of reason. Or melted down to make cannon for the revolution. Dance, dance the carmagnolo and make the roar, and make the roar. Dance, dance the carmagnolo and we'll make the cannon roar.
15: What do you think, Laurie? You know France, the city, as it was and as it is. Will we save him?
6: If love can save him, then Lucy will do it. And if it can't? I think I will have that drink after all.
9: (laughs) How long now?
4: Twenty minutes since the last time you asked, sweetness. Are you going to eat anything today? It's long past your lunchtime.
9: I couldn't. Oh, Pros. why doesn't something happen?
4: Well, it's bloody France, innit?
9: Is Mr Lorry...
4: In the business, all like. It was the last time he was, and the time before that. And it's all fiddler's money anyway. Oh, I hates this, I do's. Why, ain't seeing you like this even more, sweetness? We must
9: endure, Pross. It's what we do. We? Women.
4: Then it's obvious you never saw my sister Betty. Sister? Bare-knuckle Betty Pross, champion of the female fancy. It's true, she stood for 20 with Fanny Dempster at Dulwich in 75.
9: I thought your brother was the boxer.
4: Tom taught her everything she knew, till she was better than he was. Course he couldn't stand for that. Which is why I reckon he went off like a dust after the Broughton match.
9: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian. <Bryce. laughs> yes?
6: There's news. Quick, come to my office. Is he? He lives. Quick. <sighs> Do you remember Monsieur Defarge from the wine shop?
9: Of course. You were the friend of my father, and I honour you for
10: it. Just so you remember my wife?
9: Madame, I am in your debt too. Just so, Madame. You have news?
10: I've seen your father. He is. At the prison now. When he found they had no doctor, he offered his service to all who needed him. I'm glad to see him recovered. He is why I'm here. He asked me to bring a note from your husband to this place. I would not have done so for any other man.
2: Here is the note, Madame Lucy. Oh, come, come! You should not cry. Your husband is alive; he has his health. I cry from happiness. Oh, bless you, bless you, Madame. His bless wife
9: blesses you a hundred times.
2: Oh, Therese, his wife and the mother of his child. It is so, is it not, Madame? You are with child. I, I have told no one. Lucy. Good lord. What's she saying? What's she saying? Bloody language. I'm going to be
9: a mother, Pross. <gasps>
2: oh, dear. oh well, well, there is another.
4: But that's a way to fire a gun without telling the body what's a coming. Oh, let
9: me help you, Pros. Oh. Madame, for my sake. Leave off. For our I'm unborn fine. child's sake. Do all you can for my husband. As a woman, you must know how I feel. Ah,
2: oh, my dear. I glory in your feelings. <laughs> For now there are three of you, and three is so much better than two. What's she saying? What's she saying? We
6: must go. Therese. Thank you, friend Defarge. Madame.
0: If only life were like art, Dr. Manette would return that very night in triumph with a young father-to-be. But it is not so. It is never so. The gods that rule us are capricious and cruel, though... Sometimes they allow the shutter to stand ajar and a thin shaft of sunlight to pass through and fall upon a stone wall.
7: Charles! Doctor! Did the message? It was delivered. I believe Defarge can be trusted. He is my jailer. He is also my friend. He will arrange for notes to pass. You must not take any risks. I'll try and find out what the charges are. And how best to answer them.
13: There is no answer.
7: Please, my boy, trust your friends. We can help you. There is no help for me, sir.
13: I am lost. The best you can do is get Lucy out of this dreadful place. You must
7: not abandon hope. I know how dangerous that can be.
13: I hear them every day taking the condemned to the guillotine, and each of them is no more or less
7: guilty than I am. Hope is a dream. Then here is something that is not a dream. You are to be a father. No! I survived 18 years for a child I never saw. You will survive too, my boy. For a child who will be born and will grow under your eyes. A child? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lucy, she must, she must, she... will stand by her husband, you know that. And you, Charles, must stand like the man I know you to be and face the future with courage. We have advice, and we will find a way. God
13: bless you, Doctor. One thing, only one thing I ask. Go on. From my cell window, I can see to the corner of the street opposite. I think it is a carpenter. If Lucy could pass by there after the meal they feed us at midday, if I could
7: see her there. If it can be done, it will be done. I swear it. Now, I must go. Courage, Charles. Always... Courage! Lucy. Lucy.
13: Lucy, Lucy. Our child. Together we can hope again. And stand against this world.
15: You are sure this is how the charge will be framed? It is. I have seen the notes, hasty
6: as they are. These courts are getting through a hundred cases a day. There's no justice to be seen, other than the justice of the mob. I fear for the consequences.
15: Gentlemen, our job is not to regret the situation. It's to use it somehow to our advantage. God knows how. We'll find a way. It is vital, in the meantime, that our friend keep his spirits up. I have a feeling that his manner, his spirit, will be decisive in this case.
7: I have asked my daughter to walk every day in a certain place under a certain window. She will not see
6: him, but he may see her. Will she be safe? With Jerry to watch over her, as safe as she can be. So, let's get to work. Pour the wine, will you, Lorry, old man? I think better. Yeah, with a full glass in your hand. Yeah.
14: <laughs> Good day, citizeness.
9: Good day, citizen.
14: Walking here again, citizeness. As you see... You like this place.
9: It is good enough, citizen.
14: You must like it, citizeness, since you've come every day for, what is it now, a month or more?
9: I don't know, citizen. I haven't been counting. Ah,
14: like me, then. I never count. I just soar on and provide the lengths of wood the convention asked for. There. I call it my little guillotine. I work away and off they come. Sometimes wonder if I should change my job start working for the big knife, eh? Lots of pretty heads fall in there, eh, citizeness? Pretty heads with golden hair and blue eyes and little white necks. You know they say you can still see for ten seconds after the cut when the executioner looks into your eyes, eh? Not upsetting you, am I, my pretty? Not anymore.
9: Jerry, you should not. Put him down, Please.
11: With
5: pleasure. Uh,
9: there will be trouble. I must walk here, and now he'll now, make. This
5: ch- is your last walk. Mr. Lorry told me to tell you, it's tomorrow. They try him tomorrow. First thing.
7: Every way seems blocked to us. There's no consistency here. Only
15: the mob. The next facie, the mob must be consistent. What are you saying, Carton? It was under our noses all along. You told us yourself, Doctor, the law can't save him. But you can. Because you are what the law is about. Redress for a nation's wrongs. Your story, your person, your white hair, everything about you says France and revolution as much as Marianne, with her spear and her cap on the barricades of liberty. That is your job at tomorrow's tribunal.
6: Will you be with us in court?
15: No. An English lawyer and a stranger is the last thing you need. From here on, it's all up to you, gentlemen.
14: This tribunal will come to order. May I remind you, citizens, of the principle under which we sit. If the spring of popular government in time of peace is virtue, The springs of popular government in revolution are at once virtue and terror. Virtue without which terror is fatal, terror without which virtue is powerless.
1: We will proceed
14: to the first case. Charles Saint Evremond, called Darnay, stand and face your accusers. Who are my accusers? Where are they? The people of France! What is the accusation? That as an emigre, your life is forfeit to the Republic under the decree dated 19 Thermidor, year one of the revolution. Yes. All emigrants are banished from this republic under pain of death. Yes. I must point out with respect that this law was passed by the Convention after I arrived in France. Oh. Yes of yes. yes.
3: yes.
13: yes.
14: no matter. How can that be? It is not natural justice, I say. You but might not. equally ask, how can this court of the people be? Your natural justice, St. Ebramond, kept those very people ground into the dirt for centuries.
15: But we have risen,
14: thrown off the chains of tyranny. We have achieved the impossible, and nothing is beyond us now.
6: Not so good, my friend. Mr. Carton said it would be so. It is
7: only a marker.
14: How do you answer the charge, St. Ebramond? I am not guilty. Is, is, is it not true you have lived many years in England, the sworn enemy of liberty? This is true. Then how are you not an emigrant? Not within the sense and spirit of the law. Oh, how no, so? Please. Because
3: I voluntarily
13: relinquished a title, Saint Evermore, that was shameful in my eyes and gave up the property and the income before the law was passed. It was my own desire as it was my desire to live in England and earn my bread there and not in any way live off the overburdened citizens of France. But you married in England? Yes, to a French woman. By birth? Yes. Her name and family? Here we go. Lucy Manette, daughter of Dr. Manette, once the Bastille prisoner, now the good physician of La Force, who is known by many in this courtroom, who has worked with the sick of this city without stinting his time or his effort. Why did you return to France? To try and save the life of a citizen. It could not be done. But even so, surely it is no crime under this great republic to help a brother in
14: need. Can anyone support your story? The same good Dr. Manette. Oh, yes. Citizen yes. doctor. Will you stand before the committee? I will. Yes. Citizens, please. Oh, yes. Citizens. Please do not interrupt the process. We have a heavy schedule. <laughs> Citizen doctor, you know St. Evermont?
7: I know Charles Darnay, the husband of my daughter, the friend of my days, exiled in England after I escaped the prison of the Bastille, yeah! where I suffered unjustly for 20 years.
1: Yeah! He
7: was tried for his life, by the English courts as a supporter of the American Revolution. Here, here are the records of that very trial when perfidious England tried to destroy a friend of freedom. I know this man, and I know he is a French patriot with a heart as true as my own. I urge you, brothers and sisters, set him free.
0: There it is before us, one of those extraordinary moments when the popular will turns top to tail and expresses its desire. The accused is a friend of the good doctor, he is a friend of ours, a friend of the United States, a friend of ours, the enemy of England, doubly a friend of ours. Then let him go free and woe betide the judge who does not obey the people's will in these People's times.
14: How does the court vote? Freedom! (laughs) (laughs)
1: Charles
13: Charles, my dear love! Oh, I've missed you.
9: <laughs> our baby. Our baby. Oh, I'm so happy. So happy. Father, <laughs> Father, you saved him.
13: Sir, so you gave me hope, you gave me faith, and now you have given me life again. I did what I could. But I could not have done it without our friends. Mr. Laurie, I am forever in your debt. Oh, where
9: is Mr. Carton? He should
4: be here. Carton? Here. Mm. I think he swallowed the hair, sweetness. Plus, he's mould floating his boat in ten gallon and Mr. Lorry's fine French
6: vinegar. Well, I say good <laughs> luck. To, uh, uh, Jerry? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I'll
5: get it. I don't know. I know.
7: Defarge, madame. Defarge, madame,
10: <laughs> what do you do here? Come in. You're welcome. Without your help... Da- doctor, you must stand back. Mr. Lorry, too. What are yes, you saying? I have a warrant for the arrest <laughs> of Charles saint Also known as Darnay. New evidence has... No, it cannot be. Doctor, I'm sorry, but I must obey the Republic, as must we all. The warrant, new evidence... New
2: evidence has arisen. Two witnesses have come forward to denounce Saint Evremond and call upon him to answer for an ancient and monstrous crime. This is wrong. You cannot! What are they saying? What's happening? Who are
7: these witnesses? What do they say?
2: I am the first. The other is a secret witness. His evidence will be revealed in court. Saint-Evremonde, will you come with us voluntarily? Or do we have to drag you back to your prison? You
13: knew, damn you woman, you knew this all the time. It was a game for you, until now.
2: But now, Marquis Saint-Evremonde, the game is over. And all accounts are to be finally settled.
14: In A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, Lucy is played by Lydia Wilson, Carton by Paul Reddy, Charles Darnay by Andrew Scott, Miss Pross by Alison Steadman, Dr. Manette by Carl Johnson, and Jarvis Laurie by Jonathan Coy. Defarge is James Layley, Madame Defarge, Tracy Wiles, and Jerry, Carl Prekop. Charles Dickens is Robert Lindsay. And other parts are played by Adam Billington, Paul Moriarty, and Ricky Lawton. The music is by Leonard Bush. A Tale of Two Cities is dramatized by Mike Walker and directed by Jeremy Mortimer and Jessica Drumgoole.
0: At his trial before the Revolutionary Court in Paris, Charles Darnay has been declared Innocent after the testimony of his father in law, Dr. Manette. He returns to Telson's Bank to be reunited with Lucy and share for the first time her joy that they are soon to be parents. If only it were that easy.
2: New evidence has arisen. Two witnesses have come forward to denounce that Evremonde, and the tribunal calls upon him to answer for an ancient and monstrous crime. He is to be rearrested. No!
0: A vast change has come about, sweeping millions along in its wake. Does the individual human heart have any meaning here now? The great forces of history are churning.
4: I'll tell you, Jerry. Jerry, are you listening to me? And
0: yet bread must be bought and eaten, wine and water drunk. Life, tiny, ordinary, amazing life must go on.
4: I was saying is, I ain't so much as seen the dog's portion of a decent vegetable in this city, never mind a lump in Pennyworth. I mean, what is that?
5: Uh, I believe that is an artichoke.
4: That is not a Jerusalem, Mr. Tripes and Trillibubs. A Jerusalem is like a potato what
5: gives you the wombles, and it... Cross, <laughs> no need to take on it.
4: Solomon!
5: Solomon? J- Jerusalem? You ain't turning red-letter religious, are you?
4: Solomon! Jerry,
5: follow him, catch
3: him.
4: The woman's running
3: mad. Cross! Cross! Oh, is that
15: coffee, Laurie, old man? It is. Then, for the love of all the gods, pour me one. You've found nothing. Where there's no charge, there can be no defence. No hint of... The new witnesses, not a thing. Friend Manette has tried to see Defarge a dozen times, but he's not to be found. Away on business of the revolution in Toulon. He's placed on the local committee, taken by his wife. That woman scares me, Carton. I've observed her on the committee. She's driven by a great vision, terrible, but also magnificent in her way. You've been to the committee? Oh, yes. I've been everywhere in the last days. I am the English observer. I've become well-known around the streets and, should I say, the bars of Paris. I'm writing a book on the revolution. Are you? No. No. <laughs> But it allows me to see how the ground lies. What faction is holding power today if there is any chink to be found in the walls that
6: surround Darnay?
15: Pray to God there
6: is. That's a
15: strange remark
6: from a banker. (laughs) I have become, over these years, a somewhat strange banker, Carton. (laughs) If we get through this, then I rather fear the Counting House has seen the last of Jarvis Loria, Squire.
4: He went down by the river.
5: Wait. If you ain't a dip or a little, what are we doing here? Jerry,
4: if you don't shift your cat sticks, I swear I'll fly the fox, so I will. Oh. It's me brother Solomon, ain't it? I thought your brother's...
5: Little brother. So how comes he's running away from you, cross? No, don't answer that.
4: You go that way. I'll go this way. Oh. That way. He won't have no way of getting away.
5: What?
12: Just do it. Talk. Oh. Yes?
7: I have some soup, my dear. (coughs) You should eat.
9: I keep seeing her eyes, Father. That woman. When she looked at Charles and then she looked at me. So much hate. What could I have done to make her hate me like that?
7: I don't know, Lucy. There's so much in this country that has been lost.
9: Do you remember in London, before all of this, when it uh, rained and rained and... I thought it sounded like footsteps. The footsteps of all the people who would come into our lives and destroy us.
5: Hold on, oh. Solly. Oh. Oh. Much as I might sympathize with you, it, she is yours. Solly, oh. it really is you. Oh, we me, with the gunner's work. Well. Ain't you got to kiss me, your big sis? It <laughs> ain't him at all. It's him. him.
4: Of course it's him. Oh. On bloody barter. Uh,
10: leave off, Prossy, there's a good girl.
5: The
4: spy. Oh, solly's never a spy, are you, Solly? Uh,
10: import export, Prossy, dear girl. I am a businessman. Now, it's lovely to clap me glazes on you and all, but I must be stupid if you reckons I'm walking out of this one without an explanation.
5: Oh, oh, no. oh. put my brother down at once. No, oh. I'll tell you just where I'll put him down, oh. posse dear girl. Oh. 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 What's
10: this, Jerry? Oh. Found it under a bridge with the other rats, Mr. Lloyd. Well, I'll be damned. You
6: probably will be, but if you was to tell the Duke of Limbs here to let me go, you might get some time off in purgatory. Yeah, leave oh. him be, Jerry. And you can tell us why you've brought him here.
5: Well, don't you recognise him, Mr Lorry? Mr Carton? Import? Export? Ah,
6: <laughs> uh, Jerry. yes, indeed I do. Surely not. But that fellow, what, what was his name? John Barsad. At least that was his nom de betrayal, as it were. No, 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 no. that dog hanged himself shortly after the Old Bailey trial. It was in the newspaper, oh, I just it think... It might
5: have been in the newspaper, but he wasn't in his coffin. No way, was he? Rocks and gravel, that's what was...
10: Um Jerry uh, Mr. Lorry uh, uh, whilst you gents are settling this slightly awkward
6: question I'll just stay on, put oh, oh, oh. you have been using Telson's oh, bank as a blind for the resurrection business man I trusted you
5: uh, I never betrayed that trust Mr. Lorry it's
6: against the law it's grave robbing uh, for God's sake Jerry Cruncher You dishonoured the company, the reputation of the House of Telson. If if you'll give me leave to say two things. I don't see why I shouldn't tell you to get out and never show your face here again. Perhaps, Laurie, because Jerry might be a useful man to have around
15: the way things are going.
6: All right, then. Speak. The
5: one is, Telsons might be ashamed of me... But they ain't ashamed to be bankers for most of the doctors and surgeons who buy the bodies I resurrect. He has you there. Huh? And the other is, I know this means me and Telson's after part ways. I'll only ask you to take my boy, Natty, in my place. He's a good lad who probably deserves better than he's gone. Do that, and by God, Jerry Cruncher will stand by
6: you to the end. Very well, Jerry. We'll see what happens. No more words, but actions. And you can start with our friend here. Let's see what he's carrying.
15: If nothing else, these revolutionaries love paperwork, so we ought to find something useful. Jerry? No, don't let him... Here, drink this. It'll help. Is that any better? Oh, my head. What happened? Jerry Cruncher happened. A bit over-anxious to prove his newfound loyalty. Keep your eyes shut, the headache will go. Trust me, I'm an expert. This is kidnapping. This is Paris in the revolution. Do you know how many people die every day on the guillotine? Well, yes, of course, you probably do know, don't you? Do you want Jerry to help your memory? Tell him to leave me alone. Then you'd better talk to me. We looked through your papers. Your free entry to La Force prison. You have a pass to anywhere you might want to go in the city under the authority of the Committee of Public Safety. You're a spy for the Jacobins.
10: It's no crime. They're the government.
15: How do you think they'd react to statements signed by myself and Mr Jarvis Laurie, a well-known English banker, that you were a spy in British government pay? You've no proof. They're executing people because their grandfathers were cooks who worked for some minor aristocrat 20 years ago. My friend, suspicion will do it. And it will do for you. You help me, or you're a dead man.
10: How do I know I can trust you?
15: Your sister Pross is held in great affection by Lucy Darnay. I would not wish to do anything to hurt either of them any further. They are your guarantee. As long as they're alive and free, so are you.
10: First time I saw you back in the Old Bailey, I thought... This man is going to cause me trouble. (sighs) All right, it's a deal. But when we're done, we're done. Agreed. How's your head? Seems fine now.
14: Told you so.
0: And every day the doomed wait their turn to roll on the life-tide of the city to the boundless, everlasting sea. Fifty-two. Sixty? Seventy? Ninety? There's no end. And before their blood runs into the blood of yesterday, tomorrow's blood is appointed and set on its steadily rolling voyage. And in his cell, Charles Darnay waits alone until such time as treacherous tides bring him to.
14: Charles Everamond, called Darnay, recently released? Reaccused and retaken.
0: This time, watching are his wife, her father.
14: Denounced as an aristocrat, one of a family of tyrants who use their power for the infamous oppression of the people.
0: Mr. Lorry and the English observer, the lawyer, Carton. Almost as disordered as the crowd, and certainly, as they say, in drink.
14: Denounced by who? Who can say I am a criminal? I call upon citizen Thérèse Defarge to make herself known. I am here. You were at the storming of the Bastille, citizen?
2: I was, with my husband. Inform the court
14: what you did that day.
2: We found a warder to take us to a certain cell. What cell? 105 North Tower. What
14: did you do there?
2: We secured a paper which had been hidden. What
14: was that paper?
2: It was an account of certain events in the life of a prisoner of the Bastille.
14: The name of that prisoner?
2: Dr. Alexandre Manette.
14: Let it be read. I, Alexandre Manette,
5: physician, native of Beauvais, later resident of Paris, Paris, now
7: prisoner of the Bastille, Bastille. Write write down this relation of my imprisonment. One night, on the third week in December, 22nd, in the year 1767, I was walking home from the school of medicine when the coachman, wrapped in a black cloak, his face thin, pale in the yellow light of the coach lantern, looked down at me.
16: You are Dr. Manette? Uh, yes, Physician and surgeon? That is I. We have been to your home. They told us you would be walking by the river.
7: We, I thought... And only then did I see another face, thin and pale, hovering in the darkness within the coach.
16: Get in, Doctor.
7: We left the city and drove for hours, it seemed to me, as I sat there watching that thin, pale face hover in the darkness, as if there was no body attached to it at all. At last...
5: It would appear, gentlemen, that you are indeed people of condition.
16: We are not in the habit of lying, Doctor. There would be no point to it.
5: A strange remark,
7: then. We ascended up and up until we came at last to a small room under the very eaves of the place.
16: There is your patient. We wait outside.
7: My patient was a young woman who had once been very beautiful. She lay there, trembling. Her arms were bound to her sides. Her eyes were wide, and in them was only madness. Madam, what had driven Madam, her to find me. refuge in that madness... i help you. Only God knew. Be still. But, here, of please. course, that was not true. That truth was known only to God and her doctor and those who had taken her on that dark journey of unutterable torment then her lips stopped their fluttering and for a moment rested and from somewhere deep within herself she found words
1: father, Husband. father. Oh, death. Let it be known.
16: What has happened here? You see what has happened, Doctor. I see, but I do not understand this is... An amusement, shall we say. You say what? A passing pleasure. She said... She talks, still? A father... A husband, a brother and sister. What do we know of these things? She is a barefoot girl who caught my brother's eye. That is all. is dying, monsieur. H- have you no feelings? Yes. Let us see this life depart. It will be instructive, perhaps. You seem shocked, doctor. But consider, we are all of us governed by our natures. There's nothing we can do about this. We are animals like any other. To pretend otherwise is to live an excuse. In the name of God. Another excuse, an extremely weak one, if I may say, created by weak men to keep the strong in check. To be all a man can be, he must be all that he is. Ah, she has gone. Did you see her tender soul flitting up the chimney, doctor? What am I doing here? My brother is concerned that she might have had one of those diseases the poor tend to pick up. Uh, please check for any signs and then remove the body. Get rid of it as you choose. Surely her family will... There is no family. If you find anything, please to make up suitable prescriptions for my brother and myself. Oh, and your fee will be large enough to ensure your discretion. Excuse me, monsieur, I will take no fee for this one. On the contrary, doctor. You will take a fee and you will not speak of these matters ever. Do I make myself clear? Amplica, Monsieur St. Evermont. So you know.
5: I saw you and your brother at a levee last year. You're pointed out as coming men.
16: We will leave you to do your work.
5: In that one
7: sentence, I had named my fate Saint Evremont. I did my work and departed without taking any payment. A week later, money was left with my wife whilst I was out. What was I to do? I returned the money by messenger to the brother's son, Evermont. The next night, as I walked home from the Institute...
5: Doctor! Quickly, an urgent case in the room, saint What do you mean? I... I... I cannot...
7: The next thing I knew, I was here. In my cell. And here I have stayed since, and for God knows how long. I am. Alexander Manette, once doctor, now prisoner of the Bastille.
1: Silence! Silence! Silence!
3: Silence!
14: Therese Defarge, is that the document you found? It is. Do you have anything to add to the facts in the case of Charles St. Evremond called Darnay? I do. Then speak now, citizen. Citizens.
2: citizens. The woman in the account of the Bastille prisoner was my elder sister. The family were my family. The monster, Evremonde, saw her one day by the shower. He wanted her, he took her. Her husband begged, her father begged, he ignored them. They tried to save her. They were taken and hanged. My brother, only 14, went alone to try and rescue her. He was taken. He spat in their faces. He was killed. She was killed. Eventually, only I, a child of 10, was left. They came after me. She the doctor's servant found me first. His family hid me, gave me shelter, and one day we married. We lived our lives. Time passed, many years. But we never forgot the name, Saint-Evremonde. AND WE WILL NEVER FORGIVE!
0: It is as if every breath of air has been sucked from the room, from the lungs of those within it. A dreadful and awesome silence encloses all as the president turns to the committee, and one after the other they intone, like the bell-strokes of pure reason and terror, Guilty! Guilty, 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 guilty,
5: guilty,
0: Guilty. and the good Dr. Manette, now truly an old man.
7: And I, may I say nothing?
0: Nothing, and the wife, death pale.
9: For the love of God, for the love of our unborn child, may I see him?
0: And it is granted, this microscopic shoot of mercy in a hostile world. They are granted their last moments together, alone.
7: I thought I was a hero, that I had saved him. How wrong I was. I have condemned Lucy to unhappiness, to widowhood,
6: condemned my grandchild to God help me. You did nothing, man, that damned tribunal. Those damned brothers, the Evremonts, you're at no fault here. Believe me, that verdict was cast before the tribunal sat. It was cast
15: 20 years ago. We're damned by it all the same. No. Not without a struggle. What can we do? That is yet to be decided finally, but for now, friend Manette, you must go back to the court, see the president, every member of that so-called jury, and address them as one who served his time and earned his right to speak. Darnay is to die tomorrow. Then if you are to save him, you must do so today. Believe me, your passion may yet bring us to a happy return. You think it possible? I believe anything to be possible if it is done with a good heart. And I know, Manette, that your heart is good. I'll do it. I'll do it. Or
7: die trying. Carton, Laurie,
6: until later... Do you think it possible? No.
15: Impossible. Then why? After all is finished and done, it'll give him some comfort that he tried. It may give Lucy some comfort, too.
6: In a pretty damned comfortless world, does that stuff give you comfort, Carton? This?
15: It generally gives me a headache. And you know what the best cure for that is, Laurie? I shall see you in the morning. Where do you go? Oh to put myself about a bit.
4: Oi.
5: Cross, how is she?
4: How'd you think? Half mad with it, and trying to be as brave as an Amazon. Is all the spirit in the world. What I want to know, Cully, is do you piss more than you drink or is there stealing, Captain Standish? Is it any business of yours? Aye. Why? Because I'd say we both loves that girl more than we loves ourselves, right? It's not hard in
15: my case, Pross. There's not a lot to love here.
4: Stop counting the
15: waves. Then I have to ask you something. Your brother. Can I trust him to do what he says? You
4: can trust him not to, because he never did. Not ever. Unless... Unless? You've got his neck in a noose. It is, I'd say. Then yes. Now, before you leg it, come over here. If you look through that there window, you can see her.
0: Through the flawed glass of the window, in the golden light of a candle, she sits, head bowed, a tear glittering as it falls and is then frozen in time. I see her, pros.
4: I always knowed you'd some guts in your brains, Mr. Sidney Carton. So go and use them
8: hey roast beef how do you like revolutionary justice i like it just fine citizen we could do with some in london eh? (laughs) i'll drink to that i'll drink to anything
5: (laughs) you make a spectacle of yourself
15: why we have different aims in view mr barsad you to keep in the shadows i to stand in the light as a drunk as a joke exactly who takes a joke seriously
10: except you my friend I take my neck seriously what do you have for me the first batch go down at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon your man will be in it how many in all 50
15: though they may add a few all right here's what I need passes for both of us tomorrow morning to see the prisoner say it's for my book it won't be easy if it was easy I wouldn't need you and you'd be dead
10: you're not going to sell me short, are you?
15: Until my friends are out of France, you're safe. After that, Laurie will destroy the affidavit, I'll be gone and you'll be free. We meet
10: tomorrow at ten in the morning at La Force. As you say. And, uh, I don't usually do this. And don't think it's going to be an habit.
6: But here's something for nothing.
3: Ladybird,
9: Bird, wake up wake up ladybird what is it what is it still dark it's early how long cross
4: it don't do to be thinking about that
9: oh god cross what am i going to do
4: <sighs> you're gonna get up and get dressed and come down and eat something they're going to
9: kill him today and i was asleep how can that be
4: maybe you didn't hear me ladybird get up get dressed get downstairs Get something down your gullet, now.
9: Why? Tell me why.
4: Because it's what we do.
9: <gasps> because it's what we do? That's right. Toe to toe, bare
4: knuckle. 23 rounds. Come on, come on.
6: Lucy, my dear, come, sit, eat. We have to go soon.
9: We can't go, we must be here.
6: <laughs> Carlton,
10: it's Jerry.
9: Not
5: run, not on this day. Is it arranged? Well, as neat as can be at this notice. I tell you, mister, and I'm sorry to say it in front of you, Pross, but I do not like your brother.
4: He was always spoiled as a nipper being the
9: youngest of 15.
15: Get yourself some coffee, Jerry, and something to eat. Mr. Lorry, you.
9: Jarvis, you must see I cannot go.
15: A carton. Mrs. Darnay. The man Barsad passed on information a warrant has been issued for your arrest as the wife of a condemned aristocrat the warrant was sworn out by therese defarge she means to wipe out the whole race of the Evremonds, and that means the death of the child you carry and your death too a coach will be here at 11 you your father and mr lorry will be on it if you have any last letter for your husband i can ensure it will be delivered I will meet you at the city gate. Miss Pross will stay here to make it seem as the place is still tenanted. Jerry will arrange a second coach.
9: A letter, you really can I can try. God bless you, Mister Carton. I'll do it now.
6: Doctor Manette is in a bad way. I fear for his mind, Carton. Then it's up to you and Jerry. Well, I'll get him a
5: ball. Barsad reckons we can trust the coachman, but well, me.
15: I ain't so sanguine about it. He knows if they are taken, so is he. It'll do. Pross.
4: Don't you fret over me. I can take care of myself. They won't touch an English woman.
15: Then I suggest we have some breakfast and get about our business. I'd
4: do that if Jack White here hadn't had all the
5: bacon. Well, leave off, Pross. It's hungry work, this plotting, at four in the morning. Still, at least it ain't resurrecting,
10: eh, Mr. Lovie? Too soon. Well met, Barsad. Well, I don't think so. Are you ready? Now it comes to it. No. As ready as I'll ever be. You still gonna do it then? We, Barsad. We are going to do it. So that makes two of us. What? Who are bloody fools. (laughs) Come on. It ain't gonna get any easier by waiting. Hoi, citizen. Two to come through. Two to come through.
9: Hurry,
5: Father. We have to get a... My fault. All mine. Come on. I should stay. I I cannot... Don't you fret, Doctor. It's just a little trip.
4: Pross.
1: Pross.
5: Look at you now, Lady Bird. A proper
4: sight you are. Fit for the fancy, for sure. Now, no tears. I'll see you soon enough and then we'll all see the back of this bloody country. Up you, get.
6: Jenny, you'll make sure Miss Pross... Don't you worry, Mr. Lorry.
5: You ain't seen the last of us. Go on now, get aboard.
6: Seems a long time since that night on the Dover Road. Recalled to life, yeah. eh? Go! Go!
9: Pross, take care. Take care.
10: <laughs> good day, citizen. Citizen. What brings you round here? I'm taking my English friend to see the prisoner Darnay. Citizen? We have passes from the committee. A drink? It's good French brandy, eh? He's curious. Wants to see a real Aristo while there's still a few left. <laughs> well, go
5: through, citizen. That might be quick. Won't be around for long. None of the bastards will. <laughs> what are you up to cross
4: making the place look lived in beating the bolsters
5: well, what exactly does that mean
4: it means i'm beating the bolsters at oh. the window i do it every morning i'm doing it this morning what about you
5: i'm off to pick up a fly that bass sad nose a fella and then i'll be back here to pick you up at two o'clock most everybody will be watching the You know, are you sure you can handle any trouble?
4: The day I can't handle Jean Crapo is the day I... I'll be fine.
5: You just make sure you're ear sharp. And you can handle a bark or two, can you? Your brother was a grenadier. It's primed and loaded, two barrels, over, under, if you have to. If I have to,
4: then I will.
10: we will knock Citizen Walder when we're ready
13: to leave. Right. What in the name of all that's holy are you doing here, Carton? And this... I know this man. Good day. What? Not much of a place here. I won't be staying long. Do you have something from Lucy? I have a letter for her. If you could take it, I'd be obliged. The guards, they don't send them on. You can give it to her yourself. Please don't joke. Not not in this place. No joke. We've come to save you. (laughs) Finally, it seems the drink has rotted your brain, Mr Carton. You want one? It's good brandy. It helps, believe me. If I am to meet my Creator, I would rather do so with a clear head and a steady eye.
15: You Um, know, I never really liked you, Darnay. The feeling is mutual. Nevertheless, we are here to save your life. Not for your sake. For hers. How do you propose to do that? Exactly as I did last time. If we change clothes, you loosen your hair, I tie mine up. You look like a drunk, I look like a pompous Frenchman. You go, I stay. I tell them of their mistake once you are clear. They let me go. (laughs) You think they'll let you go?
13: No. Of course you don't. You know that if you stay, they will surely kill you. I, I honour you for it, but I cannot allow it. Think of your wife, your child. I do. How could I face them knowing I had
15: let another die in my place? I thought you might say that. I do, however, have one final argument. Well, believe me. Barsad.
10: uh, I generally find a sandbag pretty convincing.
2: My head, you brass baggage. Where is the woman every morning called Danny? What what are you saying? Where is someone who can speak French? I wish to see the man Laurie. Fetch him. I generally do beat the boasters every morning. A bit late this morning, but you wouldn't know, Draggle Tail. What are you saying? Stand
4: aside! Oh. oh now that I do understand.
0: They step back face each other, these two women who have no language in common, and life between them, to save, to destroy.
2: Things have been done. Terrible things. No atonement were made all those years ago. Now it is required of him, of her, and of her child. Madame Evremonde! Show yourself to me! I have come to settle matters long did no one ever standing? tell you it rude to shout?
4: But how would you know that? Still, For as much as I care, you can stand there all day till Jerry Cruncher comes back and settles your business.
0: Therese's dark eyes sweep. See a discarded shoe forgotten in the hasty departure. See doors open onto empty rooms. See burnt papers in the grate. See something else that catches the sun like gold.
2: What is this? Oh, now I understand. That's
15: it, my friend. Come on, get it down. Some people pay for this stuff, you know. That's it. Spill away. Dirty linen and the stink of brandy. That's Sidney Carton. Oh. Hold him, bastard. We need to get another bottle down him yet.
10: Come on, mate. Let's give him the black
15: oil. Once you refuse to drink with me, Daney. Eh? Well... Times change. <coughs> now, my friend,
10: do I look the part? Why are you doing it? Not for him, for her. <laughs> Always amazes me what a man will do for a woman. Take care, Barsad. You're not out of this yet. Suit yourself, Captain. And don't worry. You look like an Aristo, and he looks more than half seas over. Suit.
6: So, uh, this-
1: here
10: we go. Oh, yeah.
6: We're ready, citizen.
10: Come on, Mr. Carton.
8: I'm gonna be on here.
10: I can trust you. Do your job.
8: Take him away.
3: <coughs> the English
15: pig is drunk.
5: Oh, come come here, on, Mr. Lawyer!
15: Sorry about the mess,
10: citizen. You're some kind of a man, Mr. Carlton. So you are.
15: <laughs> well, Sydney, you've done
6: it now. Who goes there? Travellers. I have a pass for all. We wait for our English friend. He will be with us directly. Who is in the coach with you? Just a sick man. And a boy, his nephew. You?
9: It's my uncle. His wits are gone, citizen. We're taking him to the asylum. Very
5: well. You may wait.
9: May God forgive for those words. Uh, and for deserting my husband.
0: He will forgive.
9: Then I will never forgive myself.
0: Uh, she blinks back tears. Her head now, shorn. on golden hair, her face so young and vulnerable. Beside her, the father she and me have lost forever now. And behind them, in the dark heart of that other city. Vengeance. Therese Defarge picks up a golden curl from the cold fireplace.
2: She has cut her hair. She's in disguise, the Evremonde woman no difference. I will
12: have her.
0: Pross doesn't understand the words but she knows damned well what the golden hair means.
2: Put that down. I will have her head and her child. Every one of that race will die as my family died. Jabba jabba jabba. It don't make no difference to me because you ain't going nowhere. You think you're fierce my lady. Perhaps you are. Perhaps the world should come to see us as we are at last.
0: Therese makes for the door. Stand
2: back if you wish. I'll stand in my way and die for it.
0: There is a confidence, a certainty in her step, as if she knows nothing will stop her now.
4: Not leaving so soon.
0: But then she doesn't know, Pross. Both frozen in time as the afternoon sun creeps across the wooden boards of the floor.
11: for prayers, Evremond. You've got a date with the National Knife. I have made my peace. I am ready. Shall we go? I am ready. You people make me sick. The sooner we've done the last of you, the better. Then you better get on with it, citizen.
0: The sun has advanced perhaps an inch. No more. When at last, she moves.
2: You think you can stop me?
0: Steel flashes in her hand.
2: Ah! Chunk on this! No! Not now! I will have my... That's
4: done for you, you brass-faced bitch! Done for me too. Jerry, you needn't bother coming back now. Fly away, Ladybird. Fly away.
0: <laughs> the sun creeps an inch further. It's light catching the slow wave of blood that spreads across the floor. Therese. Pross. The same. No difference. As the sun creeps across the cobbles of Execution Square. And in the tumbrel. In the dock.
15: My witness, I believe. Splendid. Now, Mr. Carton, I am at your service. On the contrary, it appears you are at the service of a delusion that you are doing something that has some manner of meaning. I'm going to die, along with every other human being in this cart. The old, the young, the ugly, the beautiful... I noticed you took the chance to comfort a young girl. Hold her close, kiss her on the lips, taste her salty tears, assure her she'll be in heaven tonight. Surely pretty low, Mr. Carton, even for you. I spoke as I felt. Haven't you always felt that at least you saw things clearly, without sentiment or delusion? Is that not so? Answer, please. Yes. And yet you were doing this for love? Of another man's wife? (laughs) Yes. Do you think she'll remember you with salty tears in her eyes? That she'll see your face when she embraces her husband? Enough. You want guilt? I am guilty. I wanted to do something. Can you see that? For love again? Is there a better reason? Do what? Something far better than I have ever done. (laughs) And for that, you'll die under the guillotine? No, sir. I'll go to a far better rest than I have ever known. Do you really believe it? I hope. That's all there is in the end.
0: Sydney Carton, that once promising lawyer, stands center stage at last, at the foot of a scaffold. He stumbles, catches himself, he begins to climb. It's not easy keeping balance with his wrists tied, so he's concentrating on each step. The blade is pulled up, the ratchet connects, the blade is held, waiting. He pauses for a moment and looks around for the last time. Then they take him, throw him down, secure the straps. They're fast and efficient. The release handle for the blade is beside his head. He can see the executioner's hand as it reaches out. The blade falls. A gleam of sunlight catches the steel for one moment and flashes like a tear in the Beloved's eye. And it is as if the blade itself is frozen in time and space forever.
14: In the final episode of A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, Sydney Carton was played by Paul Reddy, Miss Pross by Alison Steadman, Charles Darnay by Andrew Scott, Lucy by Lydia Wilson, Dr. Manette by Carl Johnson, and Jarvis Laurie by Jonathan Coy. Madame Defarge was Tracy Wiles, Jerry, Carl Prekop, Barsad, Gerard McDermott, and the Court President, Paul Moriarty. Charles Dickens was Robert Lindsay, And other parts were played by Ricky Lawton, Christopher Webster, Adam Billington, Alex Rivers and Simon Bubb. The music was by Leonard Bush. A Tale of Two Cities was dramatized by Mike Walker and directed by Jeremy Mortimer and Jessica Dromgoole.